0: Fuck it. I'm done messing with Facebook. We're live. Fuck it. This is episode 113 of the motherfucking podcast, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo Motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Gordo. Hello. Love you lots. Good to see you. And a very special guest this week. You may uh, recognize one of these guys. Uh, as a, uh, a previous guest on the show, Gianni DiGiacomo, our, um, our auditory instrument specialist who came in and fitted Gordo with some, um, some really bitchin' ear molds last time he was here, but, uh, we've got him back on the show to talk about, uh, his fucking band... His badass fucking black metal band, Necrosophic Abyss. He is joined by his lead singer, Josh. Josh, what's your last name? I, I don't know what your last name is. Svon Lohenfelt. Svon Mo- That is the most black metal name I've heard all week. <laughs>
2: yeah, fucking it's right. part of the <laughs> <audition>. <laughs> Welcome, hey, Josh. The only reason I, I, I got picked up by the band is just the name, really.
0: <laughs> right. That's fucking hilarious. Well, <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you guys on. Uh, Gordo and I have just been sitting here chatting and cracking jokes about black metal uh, while we were waiting for you guys to get Skype figured out. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're in a black metal band, all you really know how to operate are like swords <laughs> and dead animals and trees, right?
2: I um, mean, don't forget lo-fi equipment.
0: Lo-fi equipment, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, man, kind of looking at this more of like a like kind of a
1: Costco club where you have different <laughs> like levels of membership. Like, to reach the premium black level, you know, you have to go through all the other colors first. Like, oh, you know, you
2: 100%. Have... And then, right, the... you
0: yeah. don't get your official court, uh, corpse paint templates until you reach the tungsten level. Yeah. <laughs> like, when it's you get the tungsten,
1: first. it's all chalk,
0: <laughs> dude. You know, those, uh, you know those like uh, pumpkin carving templates you can get to like put on a pumpkin and like carve them out. It's like they have like once you get to the tungsten level of the black metal club, you can uh, <laughs> you get they'll they'll send you like little paper cutouts and you can put them on your face and use them as guidelines for your corpse paint.
2: Well, I'm pretty sure like like that all comes strictly from immortal. So I mean that's that that's high tier. Like I don't know what the the anti-religious like hand sign for that is right there. But that's <laughs> straight from a bots. So you so, know it's it's super serious business.
0: Yeah, no totally. And and Gordo and I were also kind of talking about how completely and totally ignorant we are to the genre of black metal music. Um sure. my really only point of reference is I have like heard Emperor and Mayhem and Burzum and shit like that before but like and I saw the Lords of Chaos movie and that's really it is I have some friends who have been into the music before and know a lot about it um, but I'm I'm totally ignorant so why don't you tell us and some other people in our audience who may be in, uh, ignorant to the subject why don't you tell me oh Ethan says the stream looks great love you Ethan thank you Uh, I'm going to silence my phone now. Um, Yeah, so... uh, Oh, and but before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout-out to our patrons for helping us uh, run this podcast, for helping us make records, for everything that you guys do to make this work. Um, You guys make the goddamn world go round. Please join us at patreon.com slash mfruckus if you want to help us make more cool shit. I uh, just wanted to get that out of the way at the top of the show, man. We fucking love you guys. If you are on Patreon, look us up. We're on there, man. We back a lot of cool ass people. I recently started backing this channel that is just called Learn to Ween, and it is this guy who just I'm pretty sure takes mushrooms every episode and teaches a Ween <laughs> song on guitar. I've been learning a ton of great songs, and it's really really fun. So yeah,
2: same, like but that sounds like
0: the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, so we got Necrosophic Abyss. We got Gianni and Josh in the house. Uh, guys, tell us a little bit about what your definition of black metal is and how it applies to what you guys do. Like, do you guys consider yourself strictly within that genre, or is it just a major influence of yours? Tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about it all.
2: One thing I particularly like about this group is we all have our own two cents to put in which, um, it gives us our own kind of unique flavor and style and sound with it. Um, as far as how we relate to the black metal scene, uh, I think it's really relevant that um, everything from an artistic standpoint is very blackened. I wouldn't necessarily say like true black. It, it, it's kind of a purist genre.
0: So right, and that's that's something we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. Is is that it is kind of a purist genre, and there are like some people would say there is no metal, but tr- there is no black metal, but true Norwegian black metal. Yeah. Yeah. Not True Norwegian, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. You
0: know. So when you um, say when you say blackened, what do you mean? Like when you say uh, the music is blackened, what do you mean?
2: I I would say undeniably aesthetically, um, and you guys, I mean, the world will see us. Perform in the fall and uh, really get a good idea of the aesthetic. Because aesthetic is a part of it. I think that's personally. I think that's undeniable. Aesthetic is a part of it. Uh, lyrical content. I mean, compositions is a huge factor too. But I, I feel like because and and this is where it gets weird because it's just a pure genre. Like you can talk some people who would say like you know Yellow Eyes from California, black metal as hell. And then you talk to another group that would say they're false and they're LARPing or <laughs> in-between like in outsides. Like, it's 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 weird. And uh, I don't want to try and pass it off to something that we're not, but... um w- I mean,
0: wasn't. wouldn't it be fair to say that it's all LARPing to a degree? Like, even like... Okay, so, like, if you think about, like, true Norwegian black metal, and this is just... Again, this is based on my limited knowledge, like, watching the... Lords of Chaos movie or things like that, but like from what I know about the story, isn't it a bunch of affluent Norwegian kids who just were kind of rebelling and wanted to play dress up and act scary and and uh and got really into like demonic motifs and, and making a bunch of scary spooky noise? Like isn't LARPing kind of a fair term to apply to
3: Depends on the band, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it depends yeah, on the band because
2: Dissection was, was about about it. Yeah, and some you know? were real serious um, and
0: some were
3: kind of that, like, what do you consider that, like, you know, you're talking about Lords of Chaos where there's, like, that that kind of, like, that poser exposure thing where they're constantly trying to, like, no one's darker or more evil than me. <laughs> and eventually they push VAR to be fucking, like, the most psychotic one of all of them.
0: And poser it's, it's like exposure. I love that, dude.
2: I, I would also say, as far as of go, it's an interesting piece of romanticized fiction on some true events. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you really want to get into this into it, I would say watch uh, you know, um, uh, till the light you.
0: takes us. Um, I mean, I've, I, and I've seen oh, that's that. A great, that's a and great I drew documentary. this. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and I drew the same conclusion from that documentary. I may not know a lot about black metal, but I know a fair bit as a as an armchair psychologist. <laughs> and sociologist about people and development. And I know people adopt identities and avatars to portray a certain desired um, image to people out in the world. So I I would argue that even the most, like, bout it, bout it, black metal musicians are just really, really, really committed to the part, for whatever that's worth.
2: I I would say that's a that's a very fair point you know it's um it's it really comes down to someone once worded to me like not a lot of happy people get into black metal you know what i mean like it's um not saying you can't be like living a well-adjusted life and be into it but like the people who are way into it like I don't want to use the term elitist but just like the people who are just just too into it. they've they've larped so hard they forgot what reality is type deal.
0: Well, I mean you that know? happens. That happens in, you know, that can happen in any cult. That can happen in any music uh, subgenre. That can happen in a political movement. You know that anything where where ideology is involved in it becomes integrated with one's identity. You know. You, you can lose that self awareness and be, begin to become identified with the chosen identity.
2: No, for sure, um, yeah. and I, I definitely think that uh, I. Uh, I mean, obviously, emotion is a huge part of it. So many people like to. I that, that, since we're saying LARP, LARP as sociopaths, like psychopaths, but really, you're just really getting emotionally involved in something, and once emotion gets involved all logic goes out the window I mean this is just kind of it's I, I kind of have complicated views on it um, it would be kind of hard to explain my two cents on black metal in a brief amount of time so I'll pass the mic to G
0: here well we've so, got we've got plenty of time I don't know if you've listened to the show but we go for a while so oh okay yeah yeah, a yeah. I've, a I've little heard bit, it's...
3: but let's to kind of synopsisize the band synopsisize this is the
0: synopsisized
3: version for keeping things on track Um, but no so I think there's six members of the band so that's you know in any kind of band you're going to have you know um, different personalities different attributions to the the band itself we're doing a three guitar playing um, black metal band which is a challenge it's actually been a challenge to do this with multiple melodies that we're doing we're not just all kind of playing the same thing um, and with that, the influences in black metal really do range all over the place as far as it being like truly like a spiritual experience for some members to being what you're talking about where it's like aesthetic and like just the wanting to put that raw emotion into the music to even being like, you know, we want to stay centered in black metal, be blackened, which means that term basically means when we're talking about blackened, it means that we're heavily influenced by black metal. But we're not trying to reinvent the will because there's really no way to do it. You know, it's a genre that has been very established. There is the truths. You know, we're from Denver, Colorado. We're not gonna be you know, we're not born from the wizard or born from the like the blizzard. Or the blizzard. the, the blizzard <laughs> the blizzard landscape of Norway. You know, it's just that we don't have that same thing that created the genre. Just like, you know, sometimes um, you know, I, I kinda lost track on where that goes. But you know, it's just one of those things where like aesthetic is part of it of course but then there is some true spiritualism within the band so each member does have you know different ways that they um interpret the way that we do black metal but right. so far very interesting it's been very powerful it's been kind of unique on how we're all kind of different in a lot of different ways you know i'm more you know i'm more aesthetic and i do like some of the spiritualist stuff behind it but i'm not as extreme as some of the other people in the band um but we're doing a really good job of like you know, we don't want to make fun of the genre at all. You know, it's like one of those things where we're like, we're, we're you,
0: you respect. definitely, I mean, you're earnest in your desire to, to yeah, yeah. portray it, um, yeah. true to we're form.
3: Yes, we can, you know, so the whole concept of the band was created on the agony of mourning, um, which is, you know, it's not something that's so unique, you know, even in the heavy metal genre, you know, it's like, it's something where we wanted to look really what emotions are evoked by death. Um, so you, you know, wanted
0: to you wanted to specifically focus on on that motif, like that's how we
3: started, yeah.
0: that okay, was started, Okay, cool.
3: We wanted to really you know focus on that, and we kept true to it, you know, as much as we could. It is a challenge to kind of make everything to you know harness that emotion because it is very hateful and malice filled music, you know. So it's very dark, and you know um, we're trying to be powerful with what we're, we're doing. So sometimes death isn't always the emotion that is or is isn't always a subject matter, but it's it's definitely like how humans interpret death and how we mourn and how, you know, you get through, like, when someone passes, like, there's a lot of sadness. So, you know, we're kind of, it's funny to say, you know, we, we were trying to be a very sad, sincere black metal band, but stay within that, like, so anyone who does like, you know, black metal, we're trying to stay in that brutality, that of, like dark funeral and, you know, these bands that are very, very heavy. So we're, I mean... It's, it's always weird to sell yourself as being heavy because you yeah. sound like such a dork. You're like, oh, I, "We're still heavy," but no, it's a it's a pretty uh, heavy band. You I'd know? also say
2: since like we're talking about black metal, like we we still have that like like very modern themes, but lyrically, like tonally, sonically, we're not like DSBM. We're not depressive suicidal black yeah, metal, which is That's a whole to... other like art. Yeah. Which like which and I want to I want to make all the listeners who haven't heard our music like yet yeah, clear like you know we're not we're not ghost bath <laughs> like, you're not you're not gonna hear that from our shit but uh but we we draw a lot about it i mean even like from the name necrosophic abyss um you know it's it's taken from an a uh, an anti-cosmic cults um you know temple of black light type shit um that's where the name originally like and i would I, mean, draw I would
3: say unpackage that and like even explain what those are you know explain what
0: each yeah, you're them. talking to a couple of guys I who are almost not entirely not. ignorant. Like I know right. more about black metal than my dad, but that's probably <laughs> yeah.
2: it. Yeah, but that's a good thing to kind that's of. Cause it's little, it's left because yeah, left, left path. Him, is the best path. And <laughs> um, so I'm a delicatant uh, on the subject at best. I'm I'm a hobbyist. So take it with a grain of salt. No one based on like decisions around how I'm going to describe this. But uh, my understanding, and from what I've read and from the research I've done about uh, how I described it, I'm not going to get too deep into the whole like kind of anti-cosmic idea. But uh, it's somewhere that lies between a brand that experiment, if you guys are familiar with that, uh, with that thought experiment, and and just pure misanthropy. It's this isn't quite real. Fuck everything. Uh, we're we're all prisoners and we're trapped in this type of life. Um, Man, I wish Clay was here. I know. <laughs> so so
0: more, more than just general mourning, it's more of a specific mourning for the universal existential dread that we all yeah, experience it's, it's, as yeah. human beings.
3: What we're trying to evoke I, the, the sounds even, you know, it's to, yeah, it's to really have that like really uncomfortable parts, you know, where it's like, you know, it's like life and death can be incredibly uncomfortable and we're trying to do that sonically.
0: And that's right. where the three
3: bars do come into where there's these points that are very abrasive. You know, it's very hard to listen to. But then we always bring it back into this kind of beauty and solicity of like life, you know, because it's trying to worship both life and death and really that there is a struggle in both. you know, and that's it's a very poetic way of describing like what we're doing. But that was the intention when the band got together was like, Hey, like you know, let's let's be black metal, let's be black akin, whatever it is. Let's try to do something that's kind of a new brand on it, but like, you know, we're not gonna create something that, you know we're not trying to create a new genre we just want to do the best version of what we can do and actually you know we've actually I mean we, we just got actually got to listen to some of our the demo that we're recording and it's it's come off sonically just it's
2: crushing, it's crushing. so, yeah. so and,
1: and, what's the what's the actual like breakdown of the band in terms of personnel like what is I, you mentioned you have three guitar players but what's who who fills out the rest of the the roles there
3: yeah so the arrangement basically is set up a three three electric guitar players of course and then a bass player drummer and then josh is singing so when we're doing our arrangements within you know trying to play guitar with three different you know three different guitar players there is going to be a lot of shared melody but for the most part we're we really are trying to be not playing the same um same thing like as far as like not this we're we're harmonizing with one another and a lot of times there's dissonance so that's we're black metal you know and that's where any type of music where chords are clashing or they are not in unison with one another where harmonically that uh, you'd want to normally your ear kind of gravitates to lose. so we'll tear it apart to where it's like it's very dissonant and very dark and ugly and weird you know I guess it would be a good way to describe it then we bring it back to something that's familiar so it's kind of like whenever we get into these really dissonant parts the goal is to Bring you back so you can like compare it to that and be like, wow, that's kind of a mind fuck where it went for a while. So there is one of the guitar players is very influenced by the shoe gauge genre, which is, you know, kind of um it's got a lot of different areas. It's like kind
0: of drony, proggy, more like textural.
3: Textural yeah, stuff. And there's a textural. lot of that's I, a good way to describe it. I think that's
2: a key word, in, yeah Including like and again, this is coming from someone who's not a string player, but textural is I think what makes our three guitar system so interesting because um, not only do we have the harmony everyone is so well versed in music and it's just it's it's so phenomenal work with everyone in the band but the, the textures that come out are just so yeah. as like from my opinion just so fucking cool
3: yeah and, and you know so what we're the goal is to to independently play things and to try to set it up like a like a like a like a when a three string or a four string quartet works together, where not everyone's playing on the same frets, same notes at the same time, um, which will just be kind of stacking the melody, right, or just making it bigger and more vol- voluptuous, I guess, which is a terrible word for that, but like a you know just building it up to make it so it's thick and fat. But what we're doing is we're actually we're you know we're either. We're either a fifth apart or a minor third if people are listening that do know music theory a little bit or yeah yeah, like, yeah we're even like a second apart from each other in certain parts and um i actually live right in the middle I'm, a, I'm like the rhythm player so i'm actually playing most of the bones and then clay is the other guitar player and then theo is the other guitar player and they are both in very different areas of the the neck and actually the melody so a lot of times they will be like you know, I'm kind of keeping everything together with the rhythm section, bass player and drummer, while the guitar players are actually in a some sense kind of doing like a, a dueling piano thing, but like black metal, because it's you know, it's very um it's very fast, it's very intense. Um, we've it's been a really challenging experiment because there has been things that have had to be completely written, broken down, listened to when we recorded and been like that's ugly, but it's too ugly to actually make sense of.
0: Right. You're so- trying to you're trying to create tension, not trying to like, That's a good one. well, especially if you're trying to the challenge is as I imagine it, is you are trying to create a very specific motif, and different types of notes clashing are going to cause people to generally emote in a different way. Like you want to you want to emote dread. You want to invoke dread, but you don't want to invoke. Irritation or anger or, you know, or
3: we do irritation and anger, we want it for brief enough to like for someone to get a break to go back to the actual like, OK, I can right. actually I can vibe out to this. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, like, which I is for sure which say... is hard to say. But when we pull into those parts where we do as a collective say, hey, guys, like where, you know, that got pretty dark and crazy. But like, hey, here, here's your footing. You know, it's kind of right, like right through a dream. Or nightmare landscape and like a like animation and it's like it's really like you know you can't make out what's going on and it's real trippy you come back and it kind of gives you something to center because if you don't people aren't going to be able to listen to it or enjoy it you know like and we want it to be an experience where you, you kind of you go from one end to the other end but you you do you know it does make some kind of sense it can't well do, it's, like,
0: it's like if you listen to and so. this is this is going to a t- completely different place but like if you listen to like a Frank Zappa album uh huh you know you're gonna have songs that are like based upon more classic pop and r and b sensibilities like they're gonna you're gonna have your poppier rockier r and b stuff but then the next track even is doo-wop. gonna be yeah even doo op right he was i mean he drummed he drummed yeah. with uh with a lot of um wop and rock group you know kind of uh, doo-wop and R&B groups early in his career, but you have uh, then you go into something that's a completely dissonant, avant-garde jazz yep. experimental type of thing.
1: Help yep. I'm a rock. Yeah. What was that? Help I'm a rock.
0: Help um, I'm a rock, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, I would say that's kind of, you know, we, we didn't sit out to be so experimental. You know, I think it was, the the way the band formed was Theo and Clay both had reached out to me at different times when I was in a band before called Voidbringer, which I think um, Aaron, you might have known about. But, I
0: remember Voidbringer. Yeah, you know,
3: we, yeah, because we I used to see guys at rehearsals, so you he would hear a little bit of us and what we were doing. Um, so that band was kind of like on its kind of was just you know I think that it was just falling apart how bands tend to fall apart. And actually, Clay and Theo both reached out to me and they were like hey man I've got I really want to you know start a black metal project and I'm like okay that's interesting two different people that don't know each other are reaching out to me to start this black metal band and I was like well I'm kind of in a band right now and I, I might be a little busy with this band so let's let's do this or whatever So I kind of was trying to play matchmaker, to tell you the truth. I was trying to, like, you know, get together with either one of them independently or together with both of them for, like, a sit-down guitar session and just to write and hang out and introduce each other to one another. Hoping, uh, honestly hoping that, like, hey, like, maybe I can't be in this project, but you two will meet and can collectively start a black metal band because I think you both are really good guitar players. Um, I just don't know if I, you know, I have the time to do it. Right, so right. I saw both of them what they were writing and what they were playing and I was just like holy fuck dude you guys are like actually writing like really cool material and um, I would say Theo's again like he's more in a like an atonal kind of uh, jazzy if you will I mean it's not truly jazz but it's more like hardcore and more in the dissonant vein where Clay would be writing more melodic and melodic death metal melodic black metal style um, more like classical sounding stuff but you know very aggressive and I was like, holy oh, shit, I was like, let's let's put it all three of it together, and let's get together and just kind of put this, you know, see so what we can do with it. And we ended up doing it, and we met with the drummer um, for a couple sessions, um, just me and Theo the first time, and then I brought Clay in, like, probably on the third or fourth session. And it was interesting what we did, you know, it was like, you know, when you get together and jam, if you will, to, to call it, you know, what it really was... Um, sometimes you know it just sounds like garbage and it's just fun because you're hanging out with friends playing guitar but something evoked something I was like well that's pretty like you know it's interesting what everyone was doing it was kind of one of those we kind of found our places pretty organically where you know I was trying to like not step on their toes they were both kind of independently doing their own things and creating some kind of interesting shit you know and I was like well hey if we can control this it's actually really cool so that's how it all formed as far as being a three- person guitar band because i mean that's not it's not something that a lot of people really like or plan out you know you're not like hey you want to get three guitar players together and fucking make our eyes fall out from the bullshit that we're playing you know what i mean like, <laughs>
0: it's,
3: it's a hey man shit.
0: i've been in a three guitar band and i think it's fun yeah. as shit
3: it's like, it when you're doing uh I know i'm starting to cut you off but it, it is when you're doing like traditional music like like leonard skinner stuff because it's you know it's just layers of like really beautiful stuff you know so or the they, eagle, just
2: different shapes on the same roots yeah
0: and they're just, right right really, right right
3: like as far as like you know creating it it's ridiculous because i'm like i don't know where i fall into this fucking riff you know what i mean so it's like but i a lot of times you know i think that the three guitar player thing is you know it's what well, iron maiden it's you know, um, when you said the Eagles... man, dragged
2: in the sunlight, fucking... I, I think they have three guitarists. Yeah, so it's uh, something
3: that you don't see a lot, but I'm definitely... It's been very cool to be a part of because it's something I've never done before. I've I've never been in a band with more than one other guitar player. Now, now you,
0: you experienced a little resistance from... Uh, from the label that you were originally interested in. We don't have to drop names or anything like that, but yeah, you ex- I mean, you experienced yeah. a little resistance to that idea initially.
3: Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, I think yeah. It, was, it was really hard. I'm to, not trying to put anyone on blast. No, of course. But, and the people that know, know. And, you know, I have yeah. no resentment towards this guy. I mean, I understand the process, uh, The project yeah, was that, challenging, but, you know, it was it was really hard to, you know, during a pandemic during the pestilence, if you will. It's what I've been labeling it because it's what it fucking feels like. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to get together remotely where, you know, one member cannot could not come to rehearsals because he had a daughter that was asthmatic. And, you know, it was just as a family decision. They decided, hey, like, we're not going to, you know, we don't want to expose anything. We don't want to be around too many people. So while we were writing this, finishing and writing this album, we you know we we the main kind of like the main dude like he's the one who like kind of got us all together and one of the main writers couldn't be there for a lot of it so there was a lot of arrangements and songwriting and you know tracking as a collective group that was done kind of how we're doing it today where we're not in a room together we're doing it either over the phone sending uh, right. you know emails or um you know just videos of us playing the riffs trying to get it together
2: well, I want and Skype practice we try to do a yeah. Skype
3: practice yeah or no we try to do a Zoom practice so there's these like these really hard challenges that honestly like Being in a three melody band, a three guitar player band where you're trying to do three independent melodies is a fucking nightmare. Even when the three of us are in a room together trying to get that stuff arranged right. But then to throw in this extra convolution of like, hey, we can't actually be in the room with Theo. It's me and Clay working on these parts. And we're like, that sounds really good. I think it's going to work over Theo's part. We send him the parts. He puts his part on it. We tack it together and we like listen to it. And we're like, oh, fuck, this is like, we got to like start over. You know, and then we become like, become very daunted by, or it's so daunting to do it. We brought that within to the studio that we recorded at. We brought all of those, those challenges and those issues. And I think, you know, it was interesting. It was one of the first times I've actually ever been to a recording session where I was not ever with another band member through the Ain't whole
0: process. Ain't that a trip?
3: Ain't that a trip? Sure. You know, I, I'm just, I've, every project that I've ever been on, it was, you know, me and the guitar player showed up together. Me and, you know, all of us showed up and tracked, you know, to do a scratch track for the drummer. Um. There was a lot of more camaraderie, if you will. And then this time it was all peeled apart and was kind of like, I was like, oh shit, do I actually know any of these songs? You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you know. You so was...
0: who does it Who does it start with? Like, does it start with one part and then you guys all build on top of that? Yeah, so typically it's... Yeah, tell me of, where it starts.
3: As we've... It's changed, actually. There's been a couple of cohesive songs where we've written together and they've been phenomenal because they... We kind of have now found our traction and where we want to be in the song and we've even figured out that you know like i'll be playing mostly rhythm you know and step away and do some melody stuff but you know i'm keeping it kind of straight with the drummer and then um so it originally started off by just having a song fully written by thea who's like one of the main songwriters and then we would add parts to it and then he so was then, actually,
0: then are you jamming together as a group now we have had a few
3: sessions but because we've been trying to get this record put together it's been you know it's it's hard you know it's like we kind of We don't want to lean too much into the black metal dad thing because it's just kind of like, you know, we we want to poke fun a little bit, but we also do want to be serious. But it's the black metal dad thing is like what we giggle about because you know we all have kids. Every one of us has a kid. It's Um, true. You have we have rock
0: dads, rock dads, more rock dads. You know, so we all have a lot of going on
3: in our lives, and so even to get together for six people to go get a coffee is pretty challenging. To even get six guys together to like play music every single time, and I know you know that challenge, Aaron, because it's.
2: (laughs) <laughs> you can only yeah. miss so. yeah
0: yeah 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 no to- actually i've just talked i just talked to ty today where it's like so basically what i told tony is i was like look man i mean we're not going to be doing anything for a while you know we're not going to be a- i mean we're not going to be able to play for close to 2 i'm gonna be 40 next time we do a show if this unless this Rose Tattoo Show in January by some miracle still happens pretty yeah. much we're not going to be doing anything until I'm fucking 40 man like <laughs> it's going to be a while
3: Dude, we thought we were going to play our first show like forever ago you know yeah. it's like it's wild yeah. You know? yeah, like, shit
0: yeah and and, um, and so I told Tony I was like hey man you know I'm playing guitar every day I suck now but <laughs> you know here in a year I might be able to at least play the rhythm parts and stuff like that so maybe I should start learning it so I can do second guitar or so I can at least conduct rehearsals and then yeah. today just on a on a whim I hit up Ty and I was just like hey man do you just want to start getting together again and just playing even though there's yeah. like nothing and just go at it like beginners you know go at it like a like a almost like a band getting it together for the first time. You know, it's uh-huh. it's it's a different way of doing things now, and, yeah, and yeah. people have I had would, to adapt.
3: If I were to give you some words of encouragement, I would absolutely say that, you know, rhythm is such an important aspect of any part, you know, and if you can get down with your drummer and sit down and even write the bones of a song, it's only more work that you carved out for Tony and, you know, even Logan or whoever, just to have it there. It's 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 so constructive no matter what, you know what I mean? Right. So I would say... Definitely embrace that as much as you. I've seen you on you, uh, your videos. Yeah, I mean you're dude sounding good, man. I mean you're singing and playing, and I mean sounds great. I mean
0: it's 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 just going to take time to get to from campfire strummer to like right. actually being able. The other thing is is that I'm used to a certain standard from playing with Tony and Logan and Ty for right. so many years that. I'm not going to get on stage with a guitar plugged into an amplifier right, I get until I'm <laughs> at a certain skill level. But I but I, I take your point. I, I was mostly bringing that up because I take your point on like, you know, the the black metal dad thing and like trying to to fit it in and, and make time for it. And it's like, you know, the the podcast once a week and coming up here soon having practice once a week just for fun is like it takes a lot of effort to slice out yeah. that chunk of time to to make it work. So all you guys have kids? Everybody yep. in the band?
2: Yep. All of us. Every one of us. Does. All
0: six of you dudes have fucking kids. That's great. great. Josh, how many kids you got? Just one. You got one? How old?
2: Yeah, he just turned four.
0: Oh, that sounds so fun. <laughs> that sounds so fun. I'm all, Dude, I'm already talking about wanting another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Already talking about it. So, and and that's really funny to go to that, like, kind of tender spot when you're talking about, like, dreadful, mournful, like, yeah, extreme yeah, I mean, blackened music.
2: anti-causal, like, anticausal, just, like, depressive nonsense. And, uh, hey, by the way, here's a picture of my son.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, but but that brings me to something that, that I was thinking about before, earlier in the conversation, and, and escaped me, is... um can we drill down a little bit into the process that you guys are doing? Because I'm a little unclear. You were saying initially it started out as the main guy would write something and you guys would build on top of it, but now you guys are writing together. So if you're not all getting together in the same room on a regular basis, what yeah. does writing together look like for well, you? What we're doing that's is we're awesome at least question. we're writing. That's a good question. a good question because yeah, actually awesome.
3: it's it's interesting because Clay and I, even our melodies that we'll put together, um, it's almost like there's... It, it's really a, a indicative of how what Theo can do on a guitar because there is... Well, I mean, we like we'll put put like we put together...
2: and uh, Like some other stuff with, like, like, Clay's lead on that one thing. Yeah, like I mean, it's, so it's um, just been all over... I mean, it's, it's it's all over the place. It's, yeah, so it's, there's
3: been sometimes where we get together and there's the four of us and we'll write something, you know, where it's, like, bass. And it's not even bass, so it's, like, two guitar players, a singer and the drummer and we get this song that's like we're like cohesively we're like that's a fucking song you know what I mean like that's now we just got to envision where these other parts are going to be and we you know because of the uh, this band couldn't exist not in the modern age because we couldn't be like record the things that we would record and send them to someone so quickly while it's still a fresh idea for them to say oh let me just jump on um let me jump on my computer and throw something over that and see what you
0: guys think so are you guys are you guys sending back and and I guess I should specify, um, and you've listened to the show a bunch, Gianni, so you know yeah. that Gordo and I like to get into tech stuff a little bit from time to time. Yes,
1: yeah, that's,
3: do the
0: that's... tech talk. Do the tech talk. Yeah, Go do on. the tech talk. So break it down specifically <laughs> as to, like, like, are you guys doing just mem- like voice memo recordings and sending them back and forth, or is somebody building them in, like, GarageBand or another DAW? Yeah.
2: So much nicer. Than yeah, that. We actually, <laughs> yeah, we actually. Okay, so, t- dude, that's Good. what we
0: want to know. Let's get into the tech talk. What are you guys? What are you guys using? What are the tools you're using to facilitate yeah. your work?
3: I'm gonna show Josh. I'm gonna just explain to Josh where the, the bathroom is. It's just gonna go in, and then
1: go to that first door that's right here.
0: Okay, yeah. now everybody knows where. Dude, now everybody on the internet knows where your bathroom yeah, is. Yeah, you're sure? Oh man, to that, that, that information. information?
1: I mean. That's, that's pretty private information you're
0: divulging <laughs> You're going to so, wake up with one of your towels Used to wipe someone's ass And you're going to wonder why
1: That's actually a fucking nightmare, dude
0: <laughs> Somebody wiped their ass with my dead milkman shirt When I lived at 1083 Colorado Boulevard When I was a wee shaver
1: Well, that's just a travesty right there Well,
0: and I didn't throw the shirt away Is the gross part I just washed it a bunch And forever The entire time I had that shirt It had an irremovable doo-doo stain in yeah. one of the lower
1: corners of the shirt well you know what I, you know, that is uh, that is textbook punk rock yeah, that I've ever
0: heard it's probably the most punk rock thing I've ever done and it all goes downhill from there
1: that's like a full point <laughs> that's
0: like a full point
3: because punk rock points aren't like where you get a collection of them it's actually more like with the recording point that you get like the, the it's like getting
0: your blue belt in for- jujitsu
3: yeah, it's like, you know, you can get a quarter of a point for some shit, but like, you know, a full point's pretty big. Yeah. Um, but no, so we we're, were on something. We're so on something
1: yeah, but, but, no,
0: you're talking tech how, talk, man.
1: How are you building your soundscapes?
3: Yeah, so what we've actually been doing is everything from iPhone videos to true, like, you know, I, I, would, I guess i describe them as stems, I think is what you kind of describe them as, where it's an like actual piece of music recorded through like a, you know, a, a DAW or whatever and sent to someone that they can have... Uh, use their software to adjust it. So we're fortunate in the sense that we have two legacy sound guys in the band, um, and they actually, they're, you know, we actually tracked what we're doing right now, um, just in his, his home studio, and it's actually pretty good. And it's like, I, honestly, on par with some of the stuff that we were doing in the actual brick and mortar studio that we were at. Um, but as far as sending stuff around to one another, it is really nice that we live in this age where, you know, you can get, like, one of those $100, like, uh, interfaces and plug into GarageBand and, like, actually put something viable on to the tracks or even send it to someone who knows what they're doing and they can then throw it on and kind of piece it together for us. And I think that's kind of what where the world's going. I think that everyone... You know is is figuring that out And that's why you're seeing a lot of bands Put a lot of really cool well, stuff there's, out There's been a
0: rush to update the industry Totally You know what I mean Like there are people's For as much as the music industry has changed or The end, the entertainment industry has changed You know there's still a ton of money in it And a ton of money and a ton of people's jobs And livelihoods tied up in it yeah. Um, You know and so there's been this scramble To just like Make these advents by leaps and bounds, and it's been really, really fascinating to watch. But it's it's cool to see so many more bands starting to do this thing that maybe only the more tech savvy bands yeah. were doing before.
3: I mean, I mean, the price tiers have come to where it's you know it's under a thousand dollars to even just set up a, if you wanted to just do a DAW now. You know what I mean? Which is wild. I remember Dude, when I was you first can. With- you can get
0: Logic for free, can't you?
3: Yeah, I think Garage,
0: Garage Band comes with every Mac and iPhone. Yeah, and you can get Focusrite makes an interface. Yeah. I have one. 120
3: bucks. Do you have the um, the, the Focusrite
0: Solo or whatever it's called, where it solo. plugs right into an iPad or iPhone? Yeah, yeah I've are, got.
3: Those are. That's probably something I'm going to actually acquire here for my birthday coming up. Yeah, I you have.
1: Yeah, you right have at the this moment, so You have the recording right into this fucker right here yeah
3: and and i think it's just one of those things where yeah yeah it's less less expensive than your guitar you know it's less expensive than like even a couple mics you know what i mean like it's it's crazy to see and then everyone's pretty savvy with you know i've
1: actually moved beyond guitar i don't even play guitar (laughs) sort (laughs) of Hey, did
3: you you got a message a while ago when I was like I was driving in like a really snowy climate and I was listening to um Granny tweet and I was like I think I even sent you a message or tagged you like on an Instagram post and I was like, dude, this fucking song right now was like meant to be my ears, dude. And it's like I mean, it's just one of those things where like it's so nice to live in this world where we can like just absorb each other's creativity like this way, you know. Like it's we, pretty cool. I mean yeah, I've yeah, a record i got really photo. I wanna tell you that, man. Like I've it comes up on my, my, uh, my mix every now and then. I'm like, God damn.
0: I mean, we all, listen, we all listen to our friends' music. We all listen to our friends' music. And, and, you know, whether it's good or not, we encourage them to keep going. You know what I mean? But I, like, I legitimately love what Gordo produces out of his studio. Yeah. I like, like and I, legi- I legitimately think that new, gra- I, I, I legitimately think Granny Tweet in general is a brilliant band, but that new album is so fucking good,
3: dude It really hits me, it hit me a couple I gotta, I can't, you know, I can't remember the song off the top of my head, you know, but it was, I sent you like a Instagram on it, and I was like, dude this song, fuck, you know it was just like, it. really good arrangement dude, it was, you know, it was something that I was like, god damn it's like, you know we're lucky to be in Colorado with the peers that we have, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's some hard
1: hitters out here, man. I mean, yeah. this, uh, <laughs> this scene is is I mean, and you know, I've spent some time in some some other other scenes as well, but like, you know, this one is is by far my favorite. I gotta say, <laughs> like, just like all sorts of great musicians and
0: yeah, you know, and yeah, know, time.
2: Kind of it's definitely it's like a great like, time to be a Colorado musician. I mean, Blood yeah. Incantation. I mean, of course, the pedigree of like Sepulchre Carnage. Yeah, um, of course, that's and, the <laughs> On a yeah
1: that's like that's like one of my favorite albums right now dude I can't get it over
3: comes on, and i'm like is this morbid angels like what i don't remember this morbid angel song yeah, and then i'm no. like holy shit this is like the dudes i know <laughs> like i mean crazy. it doesn't even stop
2: there of feather and bone i mean yeah. when i first got into like cavernous like black metal or i'm sorry cavernous like death metal um like it was like oh well you gotta listen to tumult and a feather and bone.
0: We're we're getting ready to have Alvino on the show here soon. actually. Oh yeah,
2: I love
3: that guy, dude. As nice. far as him, you know, we, he was another one of the people that I got to you know do some ear molds on uh, when he was that band was forming, and uh, we went to college together and everything. And I, we played a show with them at the Black Sky when I was in Dead Temple. And uh, dude, to see where that dude grew from, and we even played shows together. What's that? The the the, the old venue that Killing Joke used to run. It was like a garage, like what not killing joke sorry that's a famous band there's what's the one there's a denver band that's killing something dude it's like some hardcore band god damn it killing kings killing kings yep them
0: so like so joey chase's old or not not joey chase's old band um the guys from as we speak uh killing kings was was steve beam right
3: I, can't remember. I don't think I knew There were just these older guys who had like a, like a you know. I'm going to sound like a
0: total asswipe. Yeah. One of my friends is going to comment here any minute and be like, dude, I can't <laughs> believe we played jokes together.
3: Yeah, you, you got this child on your show who doesn't know anything is. like. But so we played <laughs> a show with Alvino's like, original bands that were like these hardcore bands, and they were like, we were also in a hardcore band. And to see Alvino go from – you know, play melodic hardcore to, like, one of the crushingest fucking death metal bands I've ever heard that, like, really is, like, international. That's, some, that's, some that's
0: is- something we're very fortunate to have in Colorado in general, in Denver in general, and I think this is the, I think it comes from having roots in a somewhat isolated scene. Yeah, because pe- because people pass through here a lot, and and while Denver is you know now considered a major market, I feel like when we were kids, it was a stop off.
3: Totally, no, hundred percent. I remember like, like we, I was like I remember people being like, can't believe Ozzy skipped Colorado. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, in like ninety eight, ninety nine, we're like, dude, we really don't even like people are skipping us on like national tours. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. It even, takes
0: a long time to get here. Yeah. you know what I mean.
1: Meanwhile, meanwhile, I was coming up in Kansas. I was coming up in Kansas, and I was coming out here to see shows.
0: <laughs> see, oh yeah, dude, totally. I mean, it's always, it's always had a very, um, it's always had a very transient nature. Uh, Denver has, but you know, the closest major markets to us are Albuquerque. You know, yep. Kansas City, maybe maybe Lawrence, but I think Lawrence is more considered of like the college market. So mm-hmm. a lot of people skip Lawrence.
1: Well, we're
3: still respectively an island, kind of right?
0: You know. Yeah. So so sure. what my point is is because of that, but because it's a major hub and there's a lot of people here and there's a lot of people who end up here, the underground music scene, at least as I remember it, it couldn't afford to be segregated. Yeah. You know what I mean like there were the handful of clubs that local independent bands had to play and because of that you played with everybody you know fourth year freshman did shows at Sox place with all those fucking hardcore bands you're talking yeah. about
2: yeah. I mean like I mean that's a great point too cuz like uh Lightning Bolt played at Monkey if yeah. I'm not mistaken was a cool place to play
0: like yeah. when I
2: was If they're not still thing anymore, I don't know. It's been a while. I'm a dad now, so I don't really go
0: out. Yeah, I mean, I I played with so many weird types of bands in the early stages of our band. So, like, you see, you know, someone like Alvino, and you see him go from the roots of what he was doing and being in a melodic hardcore band and whatnot, and just over time, it's inevitable that there's going to be cross-pollination and he's going to be drawn to different things because we're we're exposed to so many different genres you know that's 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 been one of the things yeah that's
2: like just i I think that makes a lot of sense. looking at a lot of um of popular like true and dank metal that comes through uh that comes out of colorado like um oh man who's uh who's the newer project um they have a Dennis Forcus, uh piece of art for the album art. Um, it's members of, like, Primitive Man and Blood Incantation and, like, Special Voice. Um, God, this is going cra- to drive Glacial me crazy. T-? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I initially thought was Glacial Tomb, yeah, but yeah, I don't but that's think that's it
2: because yeah, that's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's the main thing I remember about them is is uh, Dennis Forkis who uh, I was gonna did, guess spectral uh, voice because that was the like, yeah my, it's, was, it's like, not familiar. spectral voice but members or at least a member oh, it's, spectral uh, voice it's, is uh, part of it something deity um, I mean this is, I mean honestly it doesn't even matter like I mean any of those bands I name like they take so much influence there's so much fusion that I feel like comes out of Denver I and mean, like in a, Colorado as a well whole. in
0: and in independent underground music in general because. Yeah, exactly. We, when, if you go on tour, if you guys went on tour, we are going to play in the same clubs. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, we're and going to play in the second, third tier rock clubs. Yeah. We're going to be playing in the Three Kings of State X.
2: Oh, rest in peace, Three Kings.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, hey, on that note, and we can go a little side tangent real quick, what are your guys' thoughts on HQ?
3: Sounds cool. I actually heard some. Uh, someone's telling me about it. Who was I with just recently? I was actually. Oh, yeah. So remember, I told you I was doing Ruben from. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ruben, Ruben, friend of the show, former yeah. guest. We had him on here. That was a fun episode for those who remember Ruben eating yeah, uh, I don't a know cup of. Yeah,
1: remembers it. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Karen Kuda remembers him showing up to band practice stoned out of his gourd after I gave him ice cream it
3: was cool to 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 get to know him via your podcast and then meet him in person dude like it was like such a trip you know what I mean because I never met him before and I just knew I'd him seen,
0: casually from shows and shit honestly
3: I had I mean, seen Reno Divorce but I didn't I didn't you know I never knew him or anything he was a little bit older so it was one of those I just didn't know him kind of thing and it was a it was a cool experience to actually like be like hey dude like and we would talk about stuff and I was like oh I kind of know that because of the podcast and it's like you know <laughs> how dorky that No, you got to
0: hang out and talk to get to know people like we I mean we saw each other around the scene for years and it was always like over time you'd begin to recognize each other yeah but until he came on the podcast and we really started getting to know each other you know I mean Johnny the same goes with with you and me I mean I know, we yeah. had talked and hung out and had beers and yeah. things like that but we really. Became yeah, friends, in my opinion, when you came on the podcast.
3: Black Curse, Black. Cur- okay, the band that we were talking about earlier was Black Curse. We used the internet to figure that out.
0: <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Black internet! Curse. All and right. I think that's
3: um, that's actually um, Zach from True's band, isn't
2: it? It's, it's a bunch of. People I think know. so. It's he might. Huge, if He's listening, or someone says
0: it. You know, whatever. That's cool.
2: Big shout cool. out I Love Den and Focus. Dope album art.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we do but, have
3: so, yeah, we were talking earlier. We do have some album art to share. Oh yes. Um, let, let and us the name of the her. album and stuff. Yeah. We'll do that whenever you feel yeah. organic. Yeah,
0: just um send it send it over to me real quick and I'll uh, yeah. and I'll pull it up in here. Um ah. if you if you want, just if you want you can even text it to me and yeah, I just, can I can airdrop it to my to my own computer. Use your technology. Use that technology. Um, but we were talking. We were talking about HQ. Um, we were talking about uh, yeah, oh, yeah. that that place opening up. And
3: Logan um, so told me he got a, He was talking to someone about it and saw some some other words of it. Um, I think it's actually. I mean, I can't believe they gutted it. I saw that picture of Jim Norton standing in front of the. Kind of the remnants of what you you mean,
0: Jim Norris, not Jim Norton, the comedian. Jim Norris, the (laughs) former. Jim
3: Norris, edit that, get that in post. Um, I'm like,
0: what was Jim Norton doing in town? (laughs) So (laughs) go with take two. He's being
2: maudlin about like Denver clubs. Yeah, (laughs) I'm blowing it, dude. I'm like losing all kinds of those
3: punk points we were talking about. Um, So you got to bring your notes. Yeah, so I saw Jim. Or I saw that picture of Jim, and it was completely gutted with Peter Orr, and I think I can't not think of the other
0: Scott kids. Happel is the other uh, guy.
3: Yeah, and I've you know I've met all of them. You know, it's kind of hard to remember anyone's name, I feel like. But um, I saw the pictures of it completely gutted, and it's like, well, like, well, wow, we really have to put trust into this because you know, I that, you just literally pulled out the memories of like you know fucking half of, a, of our scene, you know. But I, I am, I think that it's. In good hands. I mean, I think those are two of the, the like really good promoters in town, and I think that it's going to be something really cool. I'm, I'm excited to go there. That um, has
0: to happen. You know what I mean? It has to get gutted. Yeah, it has to. I mean, it, it all awesome. gets to put. It all has to get pulled out and become something different because it's not three kings.
3: Yeah, and yeah exactly. They, they can't they just reopen really a different own three kings because everyone's just going to bitch about it being. Not the same three. Exactly,
0: teams. they're going to be like the old way was like this.
3: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no, I get it, but it was kind of one of those. I was, was like, oh my god, it's like there's like nothing in there now. It's like the stage is even janked out. Like I was like, wow, and that was fast. You know, was like you know that that updated photo kind of tripped me out. But you know, it's like anything with those kind of changes. Any of that that like draw to nostalgia or like desire for nostalgia when those things. When they change, you know, you're just like fuck. Well, I'm glad there's a Facebook group to look at pictures of us there. I guess you know. Right. I mean? A, a it's
1: buddy. Kind of uh, exciting to think about, like, you know, completely, you know, gutting the place and being able to kind of re envision, you know, another independent music venue. It's uh, it's going to be one of the only few remaining independent
0: music ven- venues. In, I know. In the right. Term, you know? Well, and and um, so I actually I actually yeah. got to talk to uh, Andy Burkaw From the Oriental Theater, another former guest of the show, good friend. Um, Because I had just heard... I didn't even read the Westward article, but I had heard about the Westward article that said that the Oriental was taking it over. And Andy said, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, Westward kind of misreported that. It has nothing to do with me or Scott LaBarbera. You know, Scott Happel and Peter Orr are doing that. They're going to win a partnership together, and we've had a discussion about making sure that that uh we're supporting each other essentially you know yeah. that that one doesn't interfere with the uh, interfere with the other but no i mean you know when we were talking about it he he really has a ton of faith in Peter and Scott because they do such amazing things for the oriental and and they both you know that place really needed a fresh perspective yeah you know just having worked there in the short time that I did I know how much running a place like that can grind on the people who are responsible for it
3: Oh dude you know I have a story I can tell you I want you to finish your point but I'll tell you something about
0: No I it. mean and that that's kind of that that's kind of my whole point is that I think I think it's great that they went in there and they gutted it out and they up and they're updating it and they're getting the all the infrastructural things worked out you know, yeah. the the electrical and the plumbing and they're going to go in and they're going to do a complete rejuvenation with the spot. And, you know, it, it, at the very least, they'll salvage the energy of the place. I'm oh, hoping. I,
3: be- I believe it. I think they'll even, you know, they've got that whole downstairs area and that green room is just, you know, top notch. I mean, it's yeah. got such clones that it's just going to I can only imagine it being flourishing from what they were saying but to kind of to go back to that point we were talking about like when you were working there there was an incident where, where, where the dead temple days when i had booked a show and that's kind of how three kings worked right like you could just like fucking call a bartender and be like hey dude what's going on tuesday night and they're like i don't know something right right, right. like yeah. hey it's cool if dead temple and this other band plays and they're like yeah totally that's fine and you're like okay cool and then so you show up And it's like, i it was Shelly Shellhorn or Shelly, you know, she was DJing. She had like kind of a weekly DJ night. We showed up there.
0: Yeah, she was doing my, uh, my Tuesday nights.
3: Yeah, so we showed up unbeknownst to her, like cut her out of the entire night to the point where like, you know, no one could justify paying her and we played a show that night. Like we were friends, good, you know, good thing. You know, it wasn't like something where like we were some stranger band that walked in there and did that that was like kind of one of those I was like holy shit we just kind of like barged into three kings played a show and this is probably one of the more respected venues in town you know and it was not really organized and it was kind of i could see the panic of everyone that was working there that night to figure it out the sound guy that thought that he was just simply throwing one mic up there for some djing that had to now figure out how to mic like three or four bands that were just kind of man this isn't
0: a show that i booked is it I don't
3: know. I, I, sort of, <laughs> I hope not. I don't know if I reached out to, like, you know, maybe uh, Lisa. I don't even know. I have no idea. I, like, literally know that we, like... Oh, Lisa, like, yeah. I, I, I feel like we sort of just, like, I just sent a Facebook message and asked if we could play a show, and we showed up. You know, so it was like, you know, and that's one of the things where I could see kind of the panic and the stress on people while we were there. It's a really fun show, and it actually worked out okay, and we ended up giving, I think we... We ended up giving some of Shelly some of her merch because you know we felt bad about it, I and mean, it was really like we took like one of her like nights where she was getting some extra money, like and just kind of just bum rushed the stage in a way. You know? Well, so the th- was-
0: the thing that that place had that was amazing and unsustainable was that uh, it it functioned like uh, like in its own organism. Yep. You know, you had. Multiple people that had access to the calendar and the email, and it was kind of just like first come, first serve, whoever blocks it out gets the night, and, right. and you know, there were oftentimes the three guys, the three owners had their different nights of the week that they were there, their different days that they were there from, you know, open to close or part of the day, or or they were... The responsible party for that day and then you had the different managers who had the different nights and the different crews who had the different nights and it was not uncommon um for one hand to not know what the other hand was doing and for things to a double booking would happen once in a while I mean for the most part uh they did a pretty good job of keeping it tight but there were times when you know uh things would overlap yeah. and um but but for the most part it just like it was its own animal. It was its own oh, yeah. spirit. Yeah. No, I mean, and and, and and it was it was beautiful for what it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the, the most influential club in this region of the country. It, I mean, and it's one of the most influential clubs in the country as far as I'm concerned. Like an, yeah. a, an amazing place. But it'll be cool to see people like Scott Happel and Peter Or go in there because they like they run things in a, I don't know, in a in a much more um, top tier music business kind of way.
3: Oh, well, I, I agree. I mean, think about like uh, what Peter did with Streets of London. I mean, when he first got his hands on that thing, I mean, it was right. those were unbelievable. I mean, you, the every time I die show that's sold out in like three seconds and convert. Right. This is crazy. Like.
0: And then you know, bringing Morbid Angel and Cannibal Corpse to the Oriental Theater, which was a fucking amazing show. Yeah,
3: dude. that was actually a feather bone play, that one, right? That was like... Yeah, I they was did. Town, but I was... That was... Dude.
0: Sarah was nine months pregnant, and I was eating chicken wings in the lobby with my Belgian <laughs> friend, Dion. Like, you can't make that shit up. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was fun, man. You know, like, it was... Yeah. he He... And, and, you know, Scott, of course, has done his stuff with the Carnival, the Sensual, and... And running the bodega and really doing just so much work for um for the oriental you know they at
3: the top man I mean that place is now I mean I remember it was I've always liked it because of it it's set up but like the f- last few shows I've been to have been like this is a different vibe different brand venue you know what I mean
0: right right like yeah I mean i mean i I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens I'm excited to play there eventually but I'm doing my best to go in there without the expectation that it's going to be Three Kings 2.0.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a good way to look at it. I still haven't been to the other new venue that – was it Globe Hall? Is that the name of it?
1: Oh, Globe Hall.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been to Globe Hall, but are they associated with Globe Hall? No, no,
3: no, not in any way. I'm just saying that there's, like, these newer venues that are, like, kind of popping up now, and it's kind of where, like, you know – You got to kind of take some of that, like, hey, I I grew up in the scene, and, like, now I I know everything. And I'd be like, this is a new place to go see, which is exciting. But also, like, you know, you got to shed that jacket of clout, I guess, you know, where you're like, I've seen blah, 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 and I played here. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just this, like, new frontier, I suppose, you know, which
0: is interesting, and it's pretty cool. I just – the one thing that I hope is I I do have concerns about whenever there's a changing of the guard – It is easy for the old bands that were tied to that space to stay tied to the broader scene like if one connection gets severed it can sever the ties of a bunch of different bands from the scene at large like let me give you an example of this like when when Westward changed hands Like anytime, anytime a new music editor comes in and out of Westward and if you're in a band and if you want to get cover by coverage by the Westward, you have to go out of your way to start a relationship with the new writer or the new, um, the new head of the, 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 the new music editor. Like we were friends with, uh, Dave Herrera for years and he would hook us up with all kinds of stuff and write about us and the other writers that were part of his era knew us and were familiar with us and even if we were just the shitty local band they would throw us a bone because we were part of the scene Uh then when he left and someone new came in it was a little harder to to get the pieces written because I had to start a new thing and then the uh, Westward Music Showcase kind of changes you know, and you go from seeing bands from this certain pool of venues playing yeah. the certain stages at the Westward music showcase, and then someone else comes in and do, do you know about like the westward all stars thing We've talked about it on the podcast before, but do you know about that
3: no I mean westward even the showcase itself you know was something that like we play I played a couple of times and I was actually um always kind of, like, just tripped out how it all worked, you know I mean? I, I didn't understand how we even got the show sometimes. We even got voted, like, we won something one year, you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of this,
0: like... Well, it's because all the writers, all the writers are part of a certain time, uh, a certain moment in local music culture. Right. You know, so they're... The, the people who write for them are going to the shows. Yeah. So... Uh, so what the what the Westward All Stars thing was is basically all the bands that were part of the Dave Herrera era, the Dave Herrera era <laughs> um, of the local scene suddenly were told like, hey we're going to consider you among the Westward All-Stars, Westward Music Showcase All-Stars, and we're going to list you guys in this issue of the paper and basically thank you for your service, but we're going to move on and start giving other people a chance. Okay. So that's what they did, which is, which is smart and it's prudent yeah. and it gives new artists a chance, but it's an example of the changing of the guard severing oh, yeah. ties to a certain part of the scene. Yeah. So, the, my concern with, so back to the point, my concern yeah, yeah. with any changing of hands in a venue is that those who were kind of attached to that old business, mm-hmm. you know, might disappear from, uh, disappear from that area of the scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe be relegated to a less visible place.
1: But well, what happens if you haven't appeared yet? Yeah, right. right? If you have it is just waiting to appear. We're just waiting to appear we're wait, we're we want to get to the place where we can appear. Yeah. So that, that that's <laughs> I mean, all that's all we're trying to do. Yeah. Same. So I think we I think we are okay. We're in a, we're a where, good we're, spot. We so we've just been Gestating, 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 gestating. gestating.
2: We're just I mean, young and pound. Thing is changing, and how uh, so much that's coming out of Denver is uh, is such a fusion. I, I mean, e- e- either fusion or it's chemist, because like what chemist was in the role, like uh, that. You yeah, good?
0: Yeah. Uh, chemist was in um, chemist was in the mainstream
2: magazine not too long
0: ago, Rolling Stones or something. Oh, they were. I mean, they were in Decibel. They've been in Decibel a bunch of times. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm sure they were in Rolling Stone too. I mean, there's there's been a lot of great Denver bands that are getting tons of love, and you know, I keep track of Chemists, and they they've been getting some amazing stuff. So I'm sure it's, it was something like Rolling Stone.
2: Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm I'm a loser. I don't really keep track of mainstream publications or hipster publications for that
0: matter. <laughs> or just publications. I don't. Publications. I don't really read.
2: If it doesn't come into my dank hole of illiteracy, then I don't really fuck with it. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: My dank <laughs> but, uh, hole of illiteracy. Uh, that, yeah, sounds uh, like, that sounds like Trump's next book, man.
2: Oh, man, it should be. If it's the not title for something, sorry, yeah, Trump, definitely. if you use this uh, title, I expect royalties.
0: <laughs> dank <laughs> hole of illiteracy.
2: Um, <laughs> Continue. Though, uh, uh seriously though I, I feel like there's like such a fusion uh here and um it's just going to become more prominent with uh with like how venues are being treated I mean we had that whole war on DIY scenes that happened not too long ago um uh spots from Boulder
0: um Talk a little bit about that because um I I vaguely know what you're referring to but I'm not I, I I'm kind of not, I'm kind of vague on it. So uh, let me know what you're talking about with the war on DIY venues.
2: Oh, man. it's. Uh, I'm sure not an expert on the matter, but uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, across the nation, there was kind of like a, a huge issue with DIY venues, and I know that uh, there's a huge problem with that one up in Boulder. And if I'm not mistaken, the one I'm thinking of, the name escapes me. Excuse me, I'm not really big in folk punk. Um, but it was done by someone who is related to or has some correlation with uh, Days and Days, uh, that folk punk band. Um, I know that was a big thing, um, and it kind of trickled down. I think Club Scum was affected by it. Don't quote me on that. Again, I'm not an expert on the matter, but... It's my understanding was a lot of DIY clubs were affecting Denver I know a bunch were affected like they were sh-
0: getting shut down by yeah, shut
2: down or put or just had insane unreasonable restrictions put on them um, again this is coming this is kind from of an
0: outside what, what was the force that was shutting them down was the, was like it
1: was a, you know that that ghost ship fire in Oakland that, that was a big deal like yeah I, like, I, I, and I that kind of set off like
0: nationally it kind of set off a
2: lot of problems yeah, I think that was a huge spark, the sparking point of that. But I ouch.
0: so wait, Gordo, can you clarify on that? This this is this has missed me. Help me well, out here.
2: I think it was it was like uh,
1: two or three years ago. There was a big, um, a big DIY venue. What what turned into a DIY venue that was in I, I believe it was in Oakland, out there. And uh, what what had happened is what was the name of the people, venue? I think it's called Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship Fire. And um, there are a lot of people living there, and they have their own living space, just like a a bunch of squatters, essentially. But there was one guy who was kind of, uh, I don't know, in charge of the whole scene there. And, you know, they they had really sketchy electrical going on, but they started having, like, they, they did, like, art shows, they did all kinds of things there. But then it turned into a venue... And they were doing a lot of shows there and um, they had a show one night where it turned out like I don't know how many people it was, maybe between one and two hundred, something like that. And they had a fire and a lot of people.
0: Okay, died. so here here it is. Ghost ship fire warehouse uh, fire warehouse ghost ship warehouse fire. On yeah. December second, two thousand sixteen, at approximately eleven twenty PM, a fire broke out in a former warehouse that had been converted into an artist collective with living spaces known as Ghost Ship. At the time, the warehouse in the Fruitvale neighborhood of Oakland, California was hosting a concert featuring artists from the house music record label 100% Silk. The warehouse was only permitted for industrial purposes, residential and entertainment use. So, okay, so uh, of the 80 to 100 people attending the concert, 36 were killed. Wow. The deadliest in the history of Oakland. It was also the deadliest building fire in the United States since the Station Nightclub fire in 2003, the deadliest in California since the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, and the deadliest mass casualty event in Oakland since the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. The Alameda County District Attorney's Office launched an investigation into the fire... It fires causes in March 2017. Emails from 2014 were reported to have described serious electrical problems in the building. Uh, Ghost ship's master uh, tenant Derek uh, Lamina and assistant Max Harris were arrested and charged with felony involuntary manslaughter. Wow. Jesus. Um, uh, Both played no contest to 36 counts of involuntary manslaughter. Jesus. In a plea bargain with prosecutors on august 10th the judge overseeing the case discarded the pleas and the pair were put on trial if convicted their punishment could have ranged from probation to up to 36 years in prison wow yeah
2: no it's 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 absolutely like incredibly serious and um and
0: the city so of Oakland that, like, settled a civil suit with the victims and agreed to pay a total of $33 million, $9 million yeah. to one person who survived with lifelong injuries, and $24 million to the families of the 36 who perished. So, yeah. So that sent out kind of like a
1: domino effect. Yeah. Right. Then that DIY sent a ripple
0: across DIY
2: the country. DIY venues and. Um, I mean I'm not a fire marshal I, I'm not an ethicist um, I, it's hard for me to have an opinion on the matter but I think that it's definitely undeniably affected art that's come out from people in this day and age
0: I mean how could it not
2: that's of course the main point that I'm that I'm trying to make um, uh, be good or bad I mean venues are changing people are changing um, there's more of a focus especially with the coronavirus on top of that to do DIY at home type deals and it's um it's really interesting to see what's coming out and I'm absolutely fascinated to see what's going to come out after uh,
0: this. Tony and I were talking about it the other day and he called it the great bandwash of 2020.
3: <laughs> Seriously, we oh, I'm
0: <laughs> now, stop. I don't want to interrupt you too much real quick. No, go ahead. You're the guest, <laughs> man. What, interrupt just, all I, you I, want. Do
3: it. At one point we had discussed this. We were like we were lucky that this band has been able to survive through the difficulties that it's had right. and there's a lot of bands that aren't going to come out on the other side of this and that's all I want to say and I'll, if you can keep your mindset and keep going where you're going I want you to go well, I mean ahead. that's
0: exactly kind of what I'm talking about but I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see the opposite happen now I'll be honest now I'll be honest and the fact of the matter is is that with everything going on my priorities have been refining quite a bit You know, like I said, uh, you know, I used to be a major proponent for for a social media plan and, you know, this is what you do every day, this is what you do every week, this is what you do every month, but I have scaled back dramatically simply out of a desire to not feed the machine. Now, we are streaming this on our Facebook page. I'm not a moron. I'm not going to cut ourselves out completely. I'm not going to delete any of my accounts, but I am really averse to feeding the machine with my personal life as much. You know, if there's people who follow our our band branded content, you know, I want them to have access it access to it on whatever platform they're on. But there is a part of me that is very um, averse to feeding the machine right now, and I've been I've been scaling down. And the thought has occurred to me that two years without playing a show, two years without seeing my bandmates, especially with with kids happening and families happening and priorities shifting and all that, I can see how you would be taken out of the game. At the same time, there's never been more free time to just sit down and get down to basics and like, learn something or rather than rehearsing for yeah. a show just like sitting down and writing or yeah,
2: I think scales or putting it to a metronome or something like that right so it's like I agree hundred um, percent good or bad change is frustrating
0: And it's
2: <laughs> yeah. coming and change has been coming mm-hmm. and I think that we have we, we, we have a lot to gain from that. We also have a lot to lose from it, but I mean that's the nature of change you're, you're I just
0: to- wonder if we're going to see more bands get wiped out or more bands ascend to the next level in terms of their
3: there's gonna be a lot th- of both I mean I really yeah, like right. it. Some similar it's gonna kind of cash out the ones that were hobby bands that they couldn't really commit to the being just a hobby and the bands that are sincere. Are gonna drive a little more, and then there's gonna be a lot of um, a lot of bands that are created because people are like, you know, I had,
2: yeah, no. I had
3: two months paid leave, and I, you know, I picked up some things and met with a friend, and we actually wrote some stuff together, and we're gonna I, continue to follow that passion.
2: I would agree with that a hundred percent. Um, I personally, just my two cents. You know, it's which probably isn't worth much. Um, I feel that it's worth it's, two cents.
0: We all get two cents. It, two cents neck. times seven billion adds up to. 14 billion cents (laughs) (laughs) True,
2: Um, But I feel like it's going to come down to uh, It's It's just going to be changed I don't think I think we're going to stay in a relatively same Equilibrium but there is Going to be some new shit And it's hard to predict what new Shits are going to come out because It kind of comes down to a Combination of luck timing And who is dedicated enough to, you know, put forth the energy in these times. Right. How can, without a quantum computer, how can you predict that?
0: I wonder, this is something that kind of popped in my head while you were talking about that, Mm. is I wonder if tech savviness by demographic, by genre demographic, is going to play a role. Like, I wonder if we're going to see a shift in which more traditional purist less tech savvy more lo-fi instrumental styles of music are going to kind of you know like the working class rock and roll bands where the dudes just get together and they jam like i wonder if we'll see an end to that but a proliferation of electronic music hip-hop and well, the meat techie the meat metal, like like the type yeah. of metal that you guys are doing, which is more extreme, um, specialized genre. Like, I wonder if we're going to see a rise in, like, I wonder if we're going to see the scales tip in any yeah. way.
1: Well, you I know, would know say what? I think that uh, Granny Tweed any... isn't going to get wiped out by any of this. We're going to get wiped on.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're
1: going to get wiped in. Yeah, we'll, we'll get wiped in too.
2: Yeah, I I would for like 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 real talk. I would say I don't necessarily see if we're talking about just a taxi a techy boom of DIY like like bedroom and basement artists. um I'm not necessarily saying I want to see it, but I feel like Jent would have a big boom. I mean, like Misa Mansour or whatever his name is, Bulb from Periphery, uh, had a a huge boom with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a great time for people to download Superior Drummer and like VST Blue or whatever that glitch drum program that uh, and animals use and like, uh, you know, sit there and watch Tim Henshin from Polyphia and try and do fucking covers and shit like that. I feel like there's gonna be kind of a proggy, glitchy, poppy boom. Um, I would love to see more of like blackened, like textured brutality come out, but. I mean, I'll say. I gotta say my hopes aren't high, to be quite frank. I mean, I, and I think that's what's like awesome about us is because we're taking this, and we're pushing brutality forward. Yeah. see,
0: i I would disagree because, I mean, now that you're brutal. I mean, I agree with that. But um <laughs> you know, I, I would generally, I mean, and this is a generalization, obviously,, yeah, sure. But some of the most extreme musicians that I know, some of the musicians I know that are into the most extreme types of of metal and heavy music tend to also be kind of on the spectrum and kind of nerdy, and they tend to also like video games and science fiction and fantasy, and they tend to be the type of people who are more apt to uh, to be tech savvy and okay. to be able to and, – and again, a total generalization – but there's yep. something about the 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 heavier and more extreme genres of music, death death metal, you know, uh mathy fucking um prog stuff, you know, like I just feel like maybe those people tend to be more proggy than your average dude who's playing in a blues bass rock and roll band or like a three chord punk rock band or uh or you know, maybe a um Maybe even like a thrash metal band, you know, that is more like yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, that's actually I garage really, genres. I would say.
3: I mean, I, I completely agree with the correlation, you know, because that's you know that's kind of how I am, <laughs> you know. Not to you know not to say that. I mean, that's really where a lot of my uh, like interests lay. You know what I mean? But it is right. a funny to say that correlation. Um, yeah, so I guess. I don't know why this popped in my head, but it made me think of, we're talking about these kind of these basementy projects and these things where we're doing things that are not the typical um, performances. uh, You know, it's like, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the the two minutes to late night stuff that those guys are doing, which is kind of blowing my mind that they're able to.
0: Yeah. I've, I've, I've only seen two, two minutes to late night as like, as a brand. I'm not really familiar with their, with their content. Tell me about some of the stuff that you've seen.
3: So, it's actually a guy that was from Colorado, his name's Jordan, and he went out to New York and they kind of built it together um, with another partner out here, I'm doing it, and they were doing just shows out of um, St. Vitus, and the St. Vitus show, they were just doing guests, and it was made to be like a, you know, his persona is Garcinio Hall. Yeah, Garcinio
0: Hall, and yeah, he wears he the corpse still, paint. Like,
3: everyone knows that, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that, but what they're doing right now, instead of like podcasting, or even like even doing, I think he's still doing some podcasting, but he's also somehow getting a lot of people collected to do cover songs in their house while quarantining, which has been very interesting because it's like these bands from all over, you know, it's all metal genre for the most part, but I'm blown away by the production on it. You know, I can't believe that there's this many people that are like, Hey, you know, I got time to sit in my basement and just sit here and learn a, you know, learn a a Mike Patton song and like cover it. You know what I mean? So it's interesting to see where, when we are forced to not be able to go out and do our live performances, which is like most of our, our life energy, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm doing everything I can to have my child care correct. I want my job to be in line. I want money to be straight. I want, you know, the, all the rehearsals in place so that when we go out and play, that's going to be what I want it to be. This performance that's going to be very rewarding and not something what's the opposite, which is like the depressing performance when you go out there and blow it, right? Right. So they're taking that same energy and they're putting these different avenues and it's interesting to see that because it's it's something where it's like that's going to create its own creative culture because people are going to, we're going to be able to go to bars and we're going to be able to go to venues again and we're still going to be like, hey, there's this other thing out there where people just put together these collaborative efforts, you know what I mean? Like I could get you to sing a Dio song if I played some guitar and you know we found a different drummer and we did this cover than the same thing and people would still be like just as interested in as if they would to be to go down to a bar and right watch us, you know what i mean and it's it's less effort from the musician i mean it's not le- actually i don't want to say it's less effort it's a different type of energy than it is yeah
2: i'd say it's definitely a different it's, type it's just of a energy.
3: different type of energy it's a different type of performance and it's exactly. very heavily relied into the technology and so there's you know there is this whole like the pestilence has come along and burned down the crops, and now we have to rebuild from where this what is left from the soil. And right. It may be more beautiful than it was before, and that's how I've been going through all this shit. You know, I mean, it's been hard. I think everyone has their their challenges with what it's doing to us mentally, what it's doing to us socially, what it's doing to us. You know, as far as our concerns about economics, concerns about all the politics stuff that's coming up. You know, it's like we're all hoodwinked right now. And we're about to run into an election and we're you know the political climate cannot be hotter you know it's just it we are really at this like boiling point where there's about to we're in change you know I mean there's a lot of change going on right now and uh, I'm not a big astronomy person but you know it, there's even the change of the, the what is it, the the Pisces to the dying of the Aquarius which is that song that everyone knows the dying of the Aquarius where there actually is that we're going into a different epoch or epoch or whatever it's called epoch, yeah yeah. So there's this, there's all of these things that are, you know, it's it's undeniable. I mean, really, it is undeniable. And so it's very interesting to be living through this at our age and at our time and what all we're doing in our experimental and artistic endeavors and trying to be creative and not be fucking completely depressed in this time. And it's interesting and being-
0: too because it seems, it seems like. Like so many people have predicted it in so many ways, and it just feels like, even though it's terrifying, it feels like this natural thing. Totally,
1: it's like
3: we
0: know
1: been people like, have been warning about this forever. Like Hassan Minaj said the other night, he said, uh, "Living through history kind of sucks." <laughs> right, dude.
0: I was talking about this with someone. It's like we, we, we think of history as an ab- abstraction. Right. It's like a thing that you read in your history book. And it's like, oh, that happened. That sounds crazy. Like you hear, you know, you learn about the bubonic plague or the industrial revolution or the crusades.
2: It fits so well with what we're going (laughs) through right now, quite frankly.
0: Right. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're very and, and, and we should say that we are very, very fortunate that we were not alive during any of. Any like that, with the exception of the AIDS crisis, like we have not been around for any of the worst pandemics that have happened in in global we're history. Like we're
2: in ninety one. I haven't. This is my first pandemic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? Hey, it is. It's your first pandemic. Welcome.
2: Like, yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm glad. No, to be- but
0: I mean, like we we think of history as this abstraction, as this thing that happened to these two dimensional characters in these books and you know we we know cognitively that those people were also humans and they were our um they were our ancestors but but i think we like to think that like oh it happened then and it is not currently happening but history continues to unfold while we're living our lives the 100%. same way it did to those people
2: it's i mean like um just i it's... And again, this is from a uh, delicate uh, view of the issue. Um, the sociology of people is that of a toddler, essentially, and history is just constantly repeating because the because we, as a collective, are toddlers not learning the fucking pattern, and right. we're going to keep doing this to ourselves.
0: Well, and, I, I would say we're starting to. I would say we learn the pattern with a, a and a. An increasing, an ever increasing acumen. I think that, that um, yeah. I think that there's a strong argument for the fact that we are getting better and better at an accelerated rate, and civilization I, I, continues to improve at an accelerated yeah, rate.
2: I'd say that's 100 percent fair. That's that's a fair thing. I mean, like like our whole mass stuff. Like, can you imagine the Cairns of the bubonic plague era? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'd say that's a very fair point. We're we're at least bettering. Like you know, um, but but still, as a group, like we we like group together. So, I have a very long way to go, and um, I don't know. It's it's such an interesting uh, time of history, and um, it I I don't mean it sounds selfish, but I'm so stoked to see the arts, to see how people personally grow from this, to see how people decline from this, to see, yeah 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 oh yeah. yeah about
0: everything. I mean but, I'm 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 super exci- I'm super excited to see that as well, like how we improve. I also yes, wish that I could live long enough to see the ideology that evolves from this, like the global religion that evolves from this point in history. Oh
1: for sure.
0: You know what I mean? Hashtag because there's
1: Karen, man.
0: Well yeah I mean that was that was that was like the bubonic plague is really when you saw the rise in um mainstream religion because people became obsessed with the afterlife
2: almost oh, definitely the the uh, the afterlife and miracle cures no one wanted to pay attention to science no one wanted to pay attention to putting in the work or anything like that and it's it's sadly so relevant right now but it's also wonderfully so much less relevant, if that makes sense.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it it does. absolutely does. I, I, I'm just really, I think it's really awesome that we're going to see, in my opinion, like, you know, we're already seeing a lot of people doing the DIY thing, you know, yeah. even more. Like people are learning how to, you know, like they can't go to maybe they can't go to the studio. They're going to figure out how to record an album. You know, they can't like. Maybe people are making their own clothes. They're making their own masks. They're figuring right. out their own thing. It's like, I like seeing that kind of you know, self-propelled art and creativity and you know, entrepreneurship. Well, it is
0: interesting stuff. to see yeah. what's yep. important. It's interesting to see what's important to you, when. Your options are limited to relatively speaking far fewer things.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. When it, I mean, when it just comes down to you, when you're, when it comes down to what do you want to do? Like, I, I agree 100%. It's, um, it's going to speak a lot historically of us as a nation, as a world, as a people, as a generation. Um, how are we using this time?
0: Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, man, and it's 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 also we're we're fortunate in a way is that there are a few there are a few times in history where progress is rapidly accelerated in spikes and it's usually because of some catalytic event.
2: Oh. Yeah. And
0: and you know, and it seems to happen a ha- uh, a maybe a, a couple times a generation, but at the order of magnitude that it's happening right now, it's, it's just going to, we're going to see transformation that probably under normal like plateau circumstances would take generations to unfold. You know, advents in technology, advents in medical science, in culture, in in politics and policy in, you know, in so many things. We're just going to see. So we've already seen so much massive, um, massive change for better or worse. We just figured out how to make lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good, too. Who figured out how
1: to make lasagna? My neighbor, my neighbor across the way figured out how to make lasagna. It's amazing.
0: On that note, have you guys been spending more time with your neighbors than you were before? I want to know if this is like a thing that is a universal or if it's just something that's happened with with me and my wife because uh, we're old and we have a kid. Speaking for me, yeah, I should say well,
1: yes, so absolutely. I actually moved
3: in between the pandemic and... The neighbors in Arvada, yeah, I saw them and talked to them way more. And now I'm in Wash Park, Denver, and, like, these neighbors, like, don't even, like, look at you when you're, like, what's? side. It's like I'm, like... Trying to give them like the, "Uh, hey, what's up? You know, kind of like the. Right. Yeah. And like these dudes don't even fucking make eye contact. It's
2: really different. So, but I would say it's the opposite for me. I'm a black metal vocalist, so obviously (laughs) I don't want to talk to fucking anyone. (laughs) (laughs) This is perfect for me. Like, no one's on the road. I can hang out in my nice little dark dank hole. Like, perfect. (laughs) Love it. And I swear to God,
1: for like about three weeks around my neighborhood, everyone was building a deck. Everyone. Oh, (laughs) right. You go on a walk around my neighborhood and it's like, there's just like pounding everywhere. Everybody's out there, all the kids, everybody, just, just everybody's fucking making a deck. And like, I've, I've seen so many people doing stuff and I've been doing stuff outdoors a lot more. And that's why I've seen my neighbors and talked to my neighbors a lot more. It's like, see that rabbit? Yeah, that was a fucking huge rabbit, man. That's right. amazing. You know, like, you know, there, there's this, we've had raccoon stuff going on that you can't believe back here. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but, man, there's some crazy raccoon action
2: happening in my backyard. Right. You know? That's the next position right there. Like, how can you say boring with details and then crazy raccoon action? I have to know about this crazy raccoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, talk, talk about, about the, the crazy raccoon, 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 raccoon. action. Yeah, what the fuck like, are
2: you talking about?
1: On, man. We've had to literally, like, you know, build anti-raccoon structures in our backyard. We've yeah. had this influx of... Ra- I was like, I was asking, seriously, my neighbor, she laughed at me. She laughed at me. I was like do you think this pandemic and all this stuff going, do you think it has anything to do with the, the raccoons? Like, you know, freaking out. And she's she laughed. She's like, I, I don't know about that, but you have had a lot of raccoon problems. I said, I know. I know. You know, like, I mean, how are you going to, how are you going to prove there's no correlation, Mary? How are you going to do that? They anyway, from they thrive from
2: disease. They're like it only makes our little hands more nibble. Or <laughs> have you guys seen that meme that's like uh, it's it's this is all a conspiracy from yeast to cre- to make people make sourdough? <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I was I was gonna say I was gonna bring that up at some point because Gianni and I have been going back and forth about you know baking quite a bit, and he's he's you know you've started a few sourdoughs, dude. Well,
3: uh, yeah, th- dude, the starter was impossible. But I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you guys know there's a yeast shortage? There, Do you guys there, know about uh, this?
2: Is there conspiracy still- confirmed? Yeast price uh, going up? Yeah, like, oh, I can maybe. confirm that. Because yeah, there's a ca- yeast really shortage. Really hard yeast to shortage. find yeast. Believe it. I so believe Sarah,
0: it. Sarah and I ordered a mushroom kit. We're so, about, dude. We're about to get into boring married people, like like old guy <laughs> shit. Like Sarah and I got a mushroom kit on the internet. <laughs> And uh, we we decided to get some uh, some blue oyster mushrooms like for our first round, and they literally send you a box. And I gotta I gotta sh- I gotta look this up so I can put it on the screen. But they send you uh, a box with basically a loaf of decaying material um, right. covered in spores, and you grow your own mushrooms. That's legit. And we made. Uh what do we do? Uh Sarah brought home steaks and I made steaks and smoked out the whole house, but then we broke off some of the blue oyster mushrooms and like cut them uh like cut them down, threw them in a pan with some uh butter and like put fresh mushrooms on top of uh top of the steaks. And That's- uh it, man, it's super fun. I'm like trying to find this Are you can't remember
1: morels in your in your garden? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I mean that's what that's another thing is Sarah like gardens a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. like where uh, Sarah made some mushroom bread, and when she went to go make the mushroom bread, uh, she tr- came she came across the yeast shortage when trying uh, to make that.
3: I actually i I found some, but it was sh- only shortly after there was like a really big shortage, and I just figured it was all solved, so I actually don't know about said yeast shortage because I did was making. I was leavening some flowers as we speak, for a while. And dude, bread making is fucking hard. I was like, ah, you know, like early in the pandemic, I was like, I'm just gonna open a bakery, dude. I'm just gonna make fucking pretzels and croissants. <laughs> 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 yes. Audiology and dude, it is like that is a artisanal craft. I mean, it is a. You are. It's what you put into it to make a loaf of bread is unbelievable no, when you yeah, do a good yeah, one it's it's yeah. cool you know i mean it's a really it's, great feeling and i think that's easy big, breads there's hard
1: breads yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, in there's general some, baking is it, it is man yeah. it's a scientific anything process with, anything
3: with you know like using yeast is more you know it's more temperamental the uh, temperatures and all those different things more chemical um but that's interesting because it did. I mean, I feel like anything from anything that's going on with the pandemic and the pestilence is going on is it did force us all to slow down and really like kind of look at what things we enjoy day to day,
0: without the right.
3: bustle of running out the door with a cup of coffee and just being like, "I'm gonna go fucking die for a factory." See you at Right, nine.
0: right. It's you know what I think. Um, and this is another thing that I've been thinking about a lot. I really think that unless. Those who uh, would rather see it not happen intervene in a in a cunning way. Um, I would like to think that we're going to see some major changes in um, in the work in the workplace. Just oh, in I, terms I, of like
2: prioritize
0: like people working less. Go ahead, Johnny, yeah. What were you saying?
3: No, like, you were on the same. Yeah. Point. It's like just I'm just like I'm not working eight hour days. Yeah, I, dude. I t- you. You're paying me for four hours and I'm doing the exact same amount of shit because that's a lot of stuff that we've seen, I think, is that we can get a lot of things done and we don't have to sacrifice our fucking entire day for the workforce. In
0: a shorter amount of time, too. Like, we're seeing that happen a lot with school where kids are doing these Zoom classes and they're done with everything in an hour and a half. Yeah. So, like, six hours out of the day is... Is all the, the the social stuff and man, I'm there are some ways in which I am turning into a crackpot and I'm really starting to think about like homeschooling or alternative education simply because like I don't see the point of locking a kid in a building for however many hours a day. I don't see the point in trying to hammer yeah, the same yeah, what you were you saying too far?
1: I, now you've gone too far. Lock him in a closet <laughs> as long as possible. Well, sit down with Gone with the Wind or whatever, and just like <laughs> you're gonna you fucking experience this, okay? Well, just I just mean,
2: more than that, they're locking down with Faulkner and Joyce. Like mm-hmm. you guys, yeah, to that, too. Learn. that too. That too. Learn this.
0: Well, not. I mean, it's just I don't think that. I've been listening to this uh, this episode of Sam Harris's podcast where he talks to this this dude who is um, a geneticist, and they're kind of talking about, um, you know, different people's polygenic predilections, you know, like how much is tied into genetics and how much we are predisposed to doing certain things based upon our genetics. And it's silly to throw people into a building and apply the same style of learning, applying the same material when we could be figuring out what people have a natural predilection for and then really leaning into putting them in an educational experience that is going to, to develop them most optimally and most optimally for society.
2: I would agree with that 100% that that's ideal, but unfortunately we don't have a political system that wants to benefit the education system, you know what I mean? If I didn't have my Garbage personality I would run for office and education reform would be like <laughs> so high up on the list Because I feel like so much of our problems would be solved if we had a better education reform And I, I agree with that 100% like like so many resources from private schools And then there's um, there's also the resources of monastery schools. which a lot of them are public, but I mean n- not I mean, I think
0: it's classes. I think it's heading in the right direction and I think like in the workforce we talked about the workforce you know the company that i work for and i've mentioned multiple times on this show like their culture is unprecedented in my eyes but some would argue that the that companies like fire on the mountain and um zingerman's who actually do international trainings with with restaurants like that is an emerging culture of like running businesses, uh, restaurants in particular in an unconventional way and in a way that uh, you, you know you treat your employees the way they deserve to be treated. And so, while, while I think that lobbying is always going to be essential, I think that there is more happening now as a result of this situation that we're in. And I, by this situation, I don't just mean the pandemic, but also the global civil is. unrest and the economic uh, downturn like – all these interconnected problems are going to lead are going to convert. And I, and I, and I like to hope as an optimist are going to net as some changes that would not have been able to happen through decades of lobbying. You know, it's going to happen in a, in a matter of a few years, just because well, of necessity.
2: I would, I would hope that as well, but just since just, just because you brought up uh, the culinary world, because um, you guys don't know me, uh, fun fact: um, I've actually spent a large amount of my life as a cook and a chef. Um, cool. From Chicago to here in Denver, I've worked specifically here in Denver. Uh, Linger, Root Down helped open L Five. Oh, Root, cool. Um, Steubens, um, I've been there for a while. Oh, cool. I have a and because you brought up the culinary stuff uh the culinary school stuff uh, linger is a teaching restaurant where we would take in a lot of culinary students from i don't know whatever the big culinary school is here in colorado i never went to culinary school i was just a fuck up who needed a job that didn't drug test and so that's how i got into.
0: <laughs> that's how it starts for most of us right that's
2: right right um but it's i i feel like it's it's really interesting because it's such a divided world, and it's it's a world that a lot more people are getting into, like cooking at home, and it's a it's there's going to be a lot of demand for it because so many people have lost their jobs in the culinary world uh, with the pandemic. There's 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 a vacuum right now. They're looking for people, but I don't necessarily, and you know, it's just my personal opinion. Take it with a grain of fucking salt. I don't feel like it's going to be. A necessarily a positive thing. Um, I feel like we're going to get a lot of people who aren't going to know what they're doing, who need a job, who are going to work for less than people who have worked in kitchens for an incredibly long That's amount of time point. and leverage the situation for more money. And I feel like we're going to see a dark age in restaurants, especially in Denver because Denver's restaurant culture is really weird right now and it has been before the whole, you know, COVID thing. Um, you know, we've had a lot of shows come through to, you know, we had a Top Chef come through not too long ago. Actually, someone I worked with, uh, David, I forget his last name, um, but him and I briefly worked. He was from Madison 11 before he worked at uh, Linger, and he went and won doing CBD infusions. Um, that might make him easier to look up. Um, he's an awesome chef. If you guys are listening to this, I wish I remembered his full name. Go look his shit up. Give him some love. Uh, but so we, we've got kind of a weird culture like that, but we're not really known as a culinary city. And now we have a combination of out-of-work cooks, restaurants with a void to fill, and a whole bunch of people who have been learning this in their free time who are looking to pivot or get a side job or, you know, whatever. And I feel like we're about to have a lot of turmoil
0: you Hold think there's now. going to be a flood in unskilled labor? Is that like in the in the restaurant business? Is that what you're is that what you're asserting?
2: A combination of flood of unskilled labor and a um, and. a drying
0: up of opportunity for sure. I,
2: I think it's going to come down to more skilled labor because a bunch of restaurants opened up before this whole COVID thing happened. So there's definitely a labor demand but there's not the money and there's people who are actually trained and talented who deserve to be paid a certain amount who are not going to want to work for this or they're going to want more power and... They're either going to be rejected or they're not going to care. I mean, there's the, I mean, there's a whole myriad of things, you know, that could happen. But I think what, how it's going to boil down is we're going to see a weird fluctuation of restaurants declining and then a pop-up of boutique restaurants that are going to fucking kill it.
0: Yeah. We're also going to see a lot of changes with the, um, with the minimum wage hikes. I think so. You I not know.
2: So. As someone who's a restaurant employee, someone who's works seventy hour weeks at a fucking incredibly popular restaurant, won't say the name, but who's works like insane amount of hours at an incredibly popular and successful restaurant in the city and still wondered how I'm gonna pay rent in a month.
0: My you know? concern My concern with the with the minimum wage increases, like to me it automatically as like as like a a, a fiscal progressive, you know, just like, yeah, man, just like as someone who would be willing to surrender a 50% income tax if everything was taken care of. All right. So as someone who is a a fiscally progressive person,
2: other businesses fail, you know what I mean?
0: I'm I'm concerned with the minimum wage increase that it's going to price people out. I think it's going, I I'm, I'm concerned about, um, a bunch of job losses, generally speaking, simply because of the fact that you know many restaurants they supplement a lot of their employee income through tips, and if they've got if if you have a huge increase, like the city of aurora just i don't know what the out outcome was, but the city of aurora um they tried to vote to increase their uh, their minimum wage to something like 20 dollars an hour like it was a huge increase huge gigantic to the point where it was like if you do that then restaurants aren't going to hire as many people or businesses aren't going to hire as many people you know what i mean well, and so it's going to it's going to drive up the unemployment rate
2: well i, don't I have a that's...
1: i have a business model that i think might might work just in the personal entrepreneurial aspect, and Josh, you can tell me what you think about this, but I'm going to open up a line of food semis, and what that's going to do is basically the first one's just going to do nothing but 12-foot subs. That's all we're going to do because, like, semis are pretty huge, and I think that if we just do catering, 12-foot subs, and we start catering because, like, eventually they're going to start having weddings again, and we're going to see a lot of weddings coming up at the end of this thing. I think we should do food semis. The food semi just rolls up and feeds, an, you know, an entire city, twelve right. foot subs. I mean, you can take this idea and roll with it. It's not, you know, I'm I'm not well, gonna. It's, it's not
2: trademarked. It's not, not like copyrighted. The guy I worked with like we we stole it. It's gone, dude.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, and well, and you're and okay, you're joking, you know. and you're joking, but you know. We're seeing we're seeing a lot of places that aren't going to be able to afford to do the brick and mortar thing, you know,
2: like, 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 I mean, in all seriousness, like the idea of like a big food truck like idea. I I think that's phenomenal. Like, I think that that can that can help a lot. But it's it's so hard to speculate. The food service industry is such a unique monster. I mean. Like, it was originally born from the French Revolution. I mean, that's where restaurants started, was after after all these fucking oligarchies were overthrown, and there are all these cooks and personal servants that didn't have shit to do. Right, so, so they it, opened their
0: own businesses, they started cooking they, for the public.
2: Like, Tend to be a king for a day. And then you have, like, America and the Depression, where tipping culture began. And then, of course, we have the drinking culture, like because that's America's biggest culinary contribution, is mixed drinks and bartending. Um, fun facts for those who didn't know Um, so there's like this weird kind of I I mean we can get way like deep into it too especially since like in this day and age like we have like Vietnamese really popular and Vietnamese of course is predominantly French influence although most people don't know that but they they didn't you know sell their souls to the French which is why it's so healthy and so easy to do vegan and gluten-free because they didn't do bread, they didn't do fat because that wasn't Vietnamese. But they took so many culinary techniques and flavor profiles and that's what created modern Vietnamese cuisine. I, it's it's Culinary is just a weird monster of a mixture of art and craftsmanship that it's just...
0: It, it's and, it, to, and it really is a beautiful thing. Like, you know, you hear... You hear so much maybe you don't hear it as much anymore but there was there was a moment in culture where you heard so much about cultural appropriation and I yeah. think that like a couple of the industries where that idea is celebrated and promoted is is the music industry of course because you're borrowing from so many different places and oh, there have cool. been art, there have been artists who have been panned for that but in food you know, like you look at Vietnamese food, and it is French influenced. The banh mi sandwich, you know, yeah. is necessarily served on a baguette with pate.
2: You know, I mean, just to name a few. Like, um, you look at like regularly, like so much, and and it's so hard to generalize. It's like saying Chinese cuisine. Well, there's a whole bunch of different states. And Szechuanese cuisine and Mandarin cuisine are or Cantonese cuisine are fucking night and day.
0: Like. Well, and what yeah. our under, you now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but our understanding in the Western world of Chinese food is really like something that Chinese immigrants made for Americans, like yeah, they made it for American, American palates.
2: Chinese takeouts. Like, you don't have, like, uh, for example, so Szechuanese Cuisine is a passion project of mine because I love spicy stuff, and they have a concept, which I am going to butcher the pronunciation for. I'm so sorry, any listeners who are listening who know the language, but mala La feng, which is essentially, and again, probably butchering the translation, but my understanding culinarily translates to roughly heat, numbness, depth. And that's hmm. a huge thing in Szechuanese cuisine. You want massive heat, a numbness of the tongue from, like, the Sichuanese pepper, and a depth of flavor that can transcend that. And, again, I never went to that part of China to study it, take it as a hobbyist view. Even though I cook professionally, I've never cooked professionally in, like, you know, I never went to Sichuan to learn how to cook Chinese food. You know what I mean? So it's – and it's – it's weird shit like that and it's simultaneously frustrating and beautiful because it's easy to appropriate or steal it's easy to borrow from and it's also easy to do correctly and it's easy to fail at like it's it's weird like it's again it's a craft and an art like there's well and
0: and to tie it to tie it all together okay so, you have this homage that you are doing to this very particular, very specific category of food within the category of Asian foods, within the category of of traditional Chinese foods. And, like, you've got this passion project of this very specified genre of food, you know, that has its descriptive qualities in its name. And then you have Necrosophic Abyss, the band that we're talking about today. You have this very specialized genre of music that you are playing, but you're not going out there and trying to sound identical to the original... um, in in bands from the known from the inception of the genre
2: no most definitely and and again tying it back into that culinary point it's uh it's much like how i was describing food uh it's art and a craft like guitar music is a craft there's there's a theory behind it but it's an art what dish would necrosophic
0: abyss be oh yeah (laughs) That's a good question. That's like a uh, magazine question. Oh, what? That's, just... like maga- that's like a magazine. That's like what they ask them in the fancy rock and roll magazines. <laughs>
2: We would be um, we would be that uh, Japanese dish that uh, live squid. You can look at it and be really douchey and say we're high class and sophisticated, but at the end of the day, we're fucking brutal and a fraction of human brutality and bullshit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so is- some people would look at it and be like, "What is it? It's black. Oh my god!" and freak out. Another people yeah. would be like, "Yeah, that's black. That's it's, awesome." I'm it's like, like <laughs> yeah. I want.
0: It's like I want to eat the squid because it's alive. Exactly. I want to eat it because it's squirming around. I want to eat it, it because rad. it's from the darkest, scariest, most abysmal parts of the ocean. And then it's like, you look at your band, you know, things are starting to make sense here.
2: Things are starting to make...
0: I feel like I'm really getting to know you here, Josh. <laughs>
2: I I think it's a beautiful thing because we have so many people from so many different parts, like walks of life, and it's not one person runs a band, we all come together, we have a lot of different ideologies, but at the end of the day, we have a massive similarity and that's, we have some poison we need to let out into the world. To get out of ourselves right. and we have musical abilities we have i mean we like uh, so many of us i don't uh just, like my all my past projects have been no name diy punk bands in Denver um, before i moved here but we like there's clout There's there's so much that comes together for a common goal that no one's necessarily in charge of it's it's chaotic it's beautiful it's sheer emotion but has that, like, we're not talking that page 99 or, like, you know, like, second-wave emo scrams view of passion. It's, it's technical, we're tight, and we have our shit together, right. but we have so much emotionally to fucking drain. And I, I think the world's in a good place to hear hear our poison being leached out, so
0: to speak. It, it's, like, it's like, like, if you listen to, like, Otis Redding, just like sure. screaming his yeah. ass off, you can hear yeah. torment in there, and that it's almost it's almost a mode. You know what I mean? Like you might have a like like musical modes, or yeah, like yeah. like a mode in in film, or a mode in in painting. Like I want to say that Otis Redding and really really dark um despair driven music like like black metal are a part of the same mode in a lot of ways you know what i mean it's like it's it's like it's almost norwegian (laughs) (laughs) r&b
3: that's abba though (laughs) that's swedish okay this
0: is why I've been talking for a while. <laughs> so, um so tell me guys, uh I I'm going to I'm going to bring up um I'm going to bring up your album cover here and uh I want you guys to just tell us when we can look for it, what people can expect, like tell me uh tell me a bit about this thing.
2: The fall or winter, I would say. I'm not sure. So actually,
3: you know, so as far as the production goes, we are, we. Um, I think Josh is going to do vocals on Friday, I believe. So he's one of the last to do some stuff, and then Rick is the bass player, and he is um, the one who's been tracking this project. And they, um, I believe that they need to send the stems, which is a term that I. Recently learned from someone from MF Ruckus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to send the stems to uh, a, a friend of all of ours named Bart McGrory.
0: Yay, Bart. Yay, friend of the podcast, former guest of the show.
3: Bart's actually be mastering the project. We're trying to get them. I think the deadline is this Friday, which would be yeah. the 25th, I think, or 26th. 27th, 27th I believe. Um and check.
2: I'm stupid. I don't Twenty fifth, I
3: think. And so Bart's thing gonna have his hands on it for a little while. Then we're gonna get it together, and we're gonna probably do some type of um, some type of release of some sort. We haven't really got to that part yet, but I, I assume that we're gonna to try to get it out and kind of have it at least digitally available. Um, you know, I'm like
0: I've got. I just want to let you know I've got your uh, I've got the art on the yeah. screen up here for everybody to be able to see. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... uh, Man, I think I get an idea of what you guys are trying to do just with this cover here.
3: Yeah, so that is actually... So that's the, the the other guitar player Clay that we're talking about. It's his wife has actually has been nice enough to contribute. Yeah, do we her. have her
2: Instagram to plug. Yeah, like, it's Jerry she, Ann Full.
3: We can just I'll send it to you. I'll yeah, like, it or
2: she, um, she's a phenomenal artist. Yeah, she's, she's a real good artist. They're she, actually both really, really good artists. Yeah, Clay is also a really good artist. Um, they they crushed it. Like yeah, so
3: they're that's going to be awesome. the artwork, and then the name of the album is um, you know it. It's the because
2: it's falsifier twenty twenty. Yeah, Falsifer. but Roman true. numerals because we're cool. Yeah, and explain Falsifer. Uh So Falsifer, to my understanding, uh, this was... Uh, I actually... So I named all the songs, and I do all the lyrics and stuff. The album name was kind of a general consensus. Uh, I came late to the band. They had a vocalist before me. And um, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. But I came in, and now I'm the vocalist. Yeah. Um, but uh, Falsifer was kind of a general idea, and my understanding of it is it is... Uh, specifically with the misspelling, it is... It comes from a causal, the necrosophic cult, which my understanding is an a like anti cosmic or a causal uh, cult. You know, the third dimension is a, uh, and again, I'm a I'm a delicatant in the subject. Like take it with a grain of salt, I'm not an expert. Um, but but you're an uh,
0: expert at using the word delicatant.
2: I sure am, goddamn it, because <laughs> I'm not an expert at anything except for using the word on how to say I'm not an expert. <laughs>
0: but, um, now continue, continue.
2: Um, it's, uh, uh, Falsifer is, um, which is spelled in a weird way, as I'm sure you can see right there. Uh, cause it apparently has some type of Roman tie spelled in a, uh, more phonetic way. Um, it's the left-handed Reaper and, uh, and that's kind of like an anti-cosmic Satanist kind of, kind of vibe. Um, I mean, that's really, uh, I, I really don't want to, like, go too deep into it because I'm sure I'm gonna fuck it up and not be true anymore. And then i are gonna have to start spelling using my U's actual U's instead of V's and I mean that's just <laughs> shameful. Hopefully some people got
3: that reference. Well. I'm
0: like um, trying to I'm like trying to find falsifer.
3: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. you the, know what the, you like look our, up Look up what he was describing, which is called the the Temple
2: of the Black Light. Yeah, Temple of the Black Light. I believe it's an offshoot of that. Um, but if you look into um, what was
0: Temple the of the Black Light,
2: yeah,
3: or if you look up anti cosmic, it'll bring up both. But so Tem- you know, so Temple really of the wondered- Black
0: Light. I got I'm got the Wikipedia loading up here. Continue.
2: Yeah, so let's a little
3: more information on it. So these are no- so it was just something I'm going to say. You know, and it's not anything to like. You know, we're not experts on it, and there is some members of the band who do really know a lot about this. And that, You know, we were hoping that, you know, we could have them on here and kind of
2: explain this aspect of the. Well, also, well, we're not a theological thing. We're not we're trying not to push it. Theolo- yeah. We're not, we're not well, trying to push it. Us as a band, we're not trying to push yeah. an ideology, but we do want to try and artistically capture something that embodies. Um, well,
0: yeah. I mean, that dude, that. Look, we had. Um, we had. Uh, we had Grant from um in the company of serpents on on here and he was talking yeah. about, you know, was occultism. Like teaching a fucking lecture with that. I heard that podcast I was like,
3: "Jesus, dude. He's like, "Do you have do you have do have notes?" Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, incredible.
0: seriously. It
1: was dude, so amazing. But like away. I learned so much about Jewish mysticism is seriously the, it was so cool.
0: But have you have you guys ever read um The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell? Oh yeah, I,
3: I have looked it up. I have not read it, but there yeah, was some, I haven't read it. Yeah
0: like he just talks about the the monomyth you know the idea i i don't think that there i don't think that there is anything wrong with being curious and wanting to tell tales and and share stories and borrow from from the teachings of different different points in human history and different cultures. I think like I don't I don't see anything threatening in that at all. I think it's really fucking cool, especially something like real especially if it helps to portray the motif that you guys are going for, which I mean it really looks like it does. Temple of the Black Light, the misanthropic Luciferian order is an occult order found in Sweden in 1995. And later renamed to. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to like get this over here. And later renamed to. Where is it?
2: The or order was uh, renamed to the Temple of the Black Light.
0: Temple of the Black Light. The MLO released Liber Azerate, a modern grimoire written by. Uh, Written by the orders Magister Temply freighter Nymidal. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. Like right. like pronouncing that fucking vegetable soup of the language. That is a <laughs> Scandinavian song.
0: Yeah, it was released on the internet in Swedish and Norwegian. Azerit is the hidden name of the eleven anti-cosmic gods described in the book. A related musical work is the 2006 Dissection album.
2: Rain chaos, yeah, Rain section, chaos. Big fans of that band Yeah like this Dissection is dope yeah.
0: The lyrics of which Were co-written by Freider Namidal And which album John Newvite Explained Was based on the book Liber Azerate And the teachings of MLO Chaos Gnostic Satanism Or Current 218 Fucking Cool
2: So we can get like Way into that I'm I'm it's, I'm decently red, but I'm not someone. Yeah, like who Clay's really yeah, deep into Clay, that. Clay is would be it? the best person to ask, but if any in- like listeners are interested, like go check it out. We are not necessarily so. And here's a big thing I want to stress: none of us are super like this is our religion or anything. But it's very interesting, and it's a great artistic template. Well, and it's fun
0: to play dress up.
2: and our wrath.
0: Yeah, I would actually say
3: that Clay is though i think he's one of the most the, the most sincere with it oh he's We're, for real for real i
2: don't know I, it's, it. it's yeah. i i i can't speak for clay's belief yeah and can't. personally can't, yeah. personally i'm a i'm a discordian like robert anton wilson is my is is where i is where i personally get my theology from uh i mean and i use that ironically for anyone who's yeah. familiar with robert anton wilson or the discordian beliefs yeah we talked
0: about robert anton wilson on um on Grant's episode of the podcast
2: yeah big fan that's uh that's that's kind of my school thought on stuff what is it called
0: Psycho-Cybernetics is that what or no um Prometheus Rising was Robert Anton Wilson
2: love that book it's on my bookshelf right multiple times the Illuminatus Trilogy so fitting in this day and age absolutely love it
0: I gotta Uh, actually add that to my books want list real quick oh man I
2: highly recommend it um it's it's a blast it's uh it's great to go through. Um, but, you know, so, like, like from my two cents, and it, it's like a lot of us come from a lot of theological, philosophical, like, backgrounds and beliefs. But the anti-cosmic thing is such a cathartic, like beautiful release of something that i think that we all as humans not just us as a band but we all as humans kind of share this this feeling of existential like imprisonment like it goes beyond like something you'd read in kamas or sartre like and and i mean there's some unfavorable things in the A causal theology that uh, i'm sure people who go and look out and read like any of the Libres or, or like Libra falcifer or Libra Azurade or like, they've got a lot of books that are, that if you can get your hands on, um, there's definitely some flavors and themes that are not suitable that we don't condone. Um, right. Kind of some like hard right themes. That's
0: right. Really- which, which is something that I kind of, and, and since you brought it up, it's something that maybe bears, uh, bears covering a little bit is okay. because we have in recent years seen um i mean we've seen a you know you're not even supposed to admit that the that cancel culture is a thing that exists but clearly it does yeah. if you're afraid of getting canceled by mentioning it you know
2: 100%. Yeah,
0: it's, 100%. <laughs> it, it, it's like dude if you guys have you guys seen the letter that came out that a bunch of uh, people from the world of literature and and uh, and academia and entertainment all s- signed on that was basically was an open letter talking about the need to eliminate that uh, that aspect of our culture it, because it gets rid of uh, it, it annihilates free speech. And the backlash from it only uh, validated its original thesis. You know, which was a bunch of people came and and a bunch of people got attacked, and one person who signed the letter recanted. It was like some journalist from Vox or something like that recanted, and it became this big old thing. And it was so anyway. We've seen among the demonstrations of this sort of um, outrage and cancellation um, activism, we've seen a lot of black metal bands get shut down and I want to know what your opinions are on where the lines are drawn and can a distinction be made between bands that celebrate the style of music and bands that additionally embrace the ideology in earnest what are your thoughts on that
2: so Personally, and I'll let Gianni speak on his pers- like personal opinion, because uh, we don't have the other four members. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to speak on that. Yeah, one. so we can't speak as a full band.
0: But, but, right, of course. You guys, yeah. personally.
2: Yeah, Personally, I feel that it's a little tricky. Obviously, bands like Passy Noir are a fucking problem. And they're right. fucking gross, and I don't condone MSBM. But... Right, I explain that though. Explain that because I don't think a lot of people know that band. I don't, I don't even know that So, like, Festi is a French National Socialist band. They're Nazi band. They're they're gross as shit. Like, it's, it's,
0: feel free to look them up. And um, and SBM is National Socialist National Black Socialist Metal, Black right? Men,
2: were, Nazi Black which Metal? Which is like could not be further from anyone in the bands. In yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's, it's it's not what we're about, but it's a big thing. And when you talk about Abrahamic religion, that also lumps in Islamic and Judaism. Right. And so there's a kind of a fine line. And personally how I feel about it is there are radicals in everything which are gross. Radical Islam's gross. Radical Christianity's gross. Well,
0: extremism yeah. in general is kind of gross and
2: yeah, I agree hundred percent. But I'm not attacking the average person of faith. And that's not what I want to go for because I believe you can believe what you want and I'm not gonna bother you for it. And what gets tricky with Judaism is as a religion as a whole For the most part, I am not a theologist, don't fucking take it all, but my understanding is Judaism as a whole doesn't really fucking bother other people or force conversion on them or stuff. So I don't really have that much of a problem. And I think that a lot of people also feel that way. So to attack Judaism is, seems, or is, or I don't know, but it's, it's, it can definitely, it 's definitely understandable to look at it as anti-Semitism.
0: right well i mean and, 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 in, and i mean in in many cases, it is in an in overt fashion, but there 's also there 's an aspect of it if i if i didn 't understand correctly in the earliest days of the genre. It was more about adopting the most shocking and horrific and brutal imagery that you possibly could, whether you agreed with it in earnest or not. And some people have taken it seriously, you know, just as there were people who, you know, took Gigi Allen as a as a prophet of some sort or took him seriously yeah. in any way, or people who take Guar seriously, you know, I they, they say- are out there.
2: I would say it's a little bit different because because um, if we're talking about originally and we're not talking about the first wave of black metal, we're talking about the second wave of black metal, which is the Norwegian wave of black metal, which is most what most people associate. Like we're not talking about Venom, we're not talking about Sodom, we're not talking right. about those guys. We're talking about Burzum, we're talking about Mayhem, Satyra Khan, Immortal, and I think a big part of that comes from a rejection of Christian oppression of pagan beliefs and that's kind of right they they
0: they viewed it more as uh they they viewed the they viewed the abrahamic religions as colonists
2: yeah you know they they
0: felt they felt because like they were of celtic origin or or um scandinavian origin that they were colonized by um clerics of different abrahamic religions correct yeah
2: yeah, that's. I mean, that's. Um, I'm not a historian, nor am I an ethnomusician. Um, but it's, like,
0: <laughs> nor I'm am I an ethnomusician. God, no Me word. neither. Hey, we're yeah. just a bunch of guys having a conversation. It's okay.
2: It's um. So, but yeah, I would agree with that one hundred percent. It's uh. There, it was a rebellion of specifically Christian oppression i mean like and you can even like and it's so interesting seeing like um uh, our drummer actually uh i I wish he was here so he could give this argument but uh no one which is what he's which is what he's going by for this project Um, (laughs) that's fucking awesome yeah right it's it's, who's
0: your drummer no one (laughs)
2: shrouded in mystery um but uh, he, he actually pitched a really interesting idea to me of, uh, of reggae and black metal being two sides of the same coin based on Puritan oppression of right. their cultures and the fact that it's purest genres, it's, but one focuses so much on negativity and ex. And by kind of expelling that venom, while the other focuses on embracing a lighter side of things, and I I, that that's that's stuck with me a lot, and I think that's uh, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it, and and it's it's kind of tricky because like Islam, Judaism, they're all Abrahamic, but you know like I'm not a historian or a theologist again, but I can't think of a single country that was conquered in the name of Judaism. That didn't have American influence on on it, because we can talk about the Islam Palestine thing, but right, that's mostly Western. That's mostly Americans and Europeans, in my belief. But right, fair point. I'm not trying to get into all that. Right, magic. right, no,
0: and and yeah. obviously, no. We're, we're we're talking about metal music. Um, yeah. and okay, so from what I understand, a lot of the bands that have had shows protested and have had their shows shut down as yeah. a result of those protests were, were displaying completely overt and earnest and anti-Semitic and Nash, like Nazi imagery. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. I mean, that was the band I, you're talking about a band that was banned from playing at the high dive. And I can't remember where they are, but well, there was
0: another one too. There was, there was yeah. the one that was Wait. shut down at Ooh. the high, Say it again. Talk
2: or T-A-K-E. I know they were recently coming through Denver and like they like got shut fucking down. Yeah, that
0: got shut down. And then there was another group that was shut down at the old um, X. They cut like Antero Hall or whatever it was. There was a big yeah. ar- there was a big article in a it, it was the, the, I think the bigger of the two events was the Antero Hall, um, yeah. the the Antero Hall thing. But then there's also this part of it. Which is, I immediately questioned, you know, are these in fact bands that embrace this ideology or is this part of the style of music which is necessarily designed to come out and be provocative and be as, as sonically and aesthetically menacing as possible? Do you think, do you think that there is a line between the two or that, you know, if you have any part of any of that imagery or even hint at portraying that ideology, whether you believe in it in earnest or not, do you think that that has a place in the genre? I
3: mean, I think that, you know, that's one of those things for me where that's even before I was born or even into the music. You know what I mean? A lot right. of you know, I'm not gonna deny that there's like current bands that yeah, are socialist. Right, I'm in my
2: twenties, man. You know like, what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not denying that there's
3: not like current socialist bands and the those things that are around there. But those things may have been invoking those things just like kind of early like you know, Nazi
2: punk bands were invoking things. I mean, even France, true. like in like the '70s, there was like that weird like punk movement where like yeah, you were wearing I mean, Nazi was shit around. Just to shock. Right, not,
0: right. Like Sid Vicious wearing a swastika T-shirt that would never fly today.
2: No, or, like, or like or
0: like Lemmy true. Lemmy wearing you know, uh, World like, War II memorabilia.
3: Yeah. totally. And so I think that there was a lot of that going on to influence maybe the people that influenced us that were maybe not privy to like really what that meant at the time. They maybe are. They turned a blind eye onto it. But I will tell you that almost everyone in the band, and you know, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, those aren't the things that actually attracted me to the genre. Those were not the things that actually got me in, interested in the genre, was any kind of, right. that kind of, you know, like looking at the master race kind of shit, you know. What I loved was the imagery of misanthropy or misentropic kind of look at like that, you know, all humans are like, you know, like nonworthy and that like humankind is evil. Right. And that right. there is actually dark, evil things lurking in the forest. Misanthropic is, is a
0: great is a great word. I'm glad that was in the very beginning of the
3: things that are interesting to me is that the fact that there are not there is no such thing as pure light and pure happiness and pure um, you know, those pure love emotions, there's actually a lot of the opposite. And our day to day life is actually dealing with a lot of those really dark things to hopefully invoke and get to the love and get to those places where it's comfortable. And there's a lot of things that we have to do to go through and we have to serve through and we have to deal with to actually feel the emotions of love. And that, you know, I felt like in my life growing up it was just like everything's good and everything's happy and god's here and you know like just pray to god that this doesn't happen and be happy and be so grateful for all the things that you want but i knew that there was things that were dark and there was really crazy shitty stuff that you would see on tv and the news and you would hear about things about family members you would hear about murders you'd hear about all these things that are really fucking brutal that exist out there so, right. it's not this thing where like I'm chasing that. Like I want to be a murderer. I want to be like psychotic in those ways, but it exists. Like, right. With that existence, there's a way to tell stories and there's a way to like take your energy and put it into that. and And actually, I think a lot of what I stand behind with this with like being in these kind of dark genre, dark like you know, black and all these different things, is that I can display those tendencies and that evilness and put the, all of that energy that is considered dark energy or malice. Into the music, which is a safe place, to expel it onto people that can also hopefully use our music or our uh, performance to let out their anger and their evilness and their malice, malice and their hatred for mankind in a constructive way, where we're all doing it together and not hurting a soul.
0: Well, with awareness and and in sort of a way of worshipping it, so, worshipping sort of it. sort of integrating the shadow. Yeah, you know, like Kali or yeah. wait what with, with this this goddess that is on your your album art here um you know yeah. when I saw when I saw this I immediately thought of like Kali yeah
2: yeah which is a huge part of what that's based off of uh-huh. I'm glad that it was portrayed and it just shouts out so much to the artist um that's again Genius. like we'll, yeah we'll like we'll put her like instagram in it but she she captured it fucking right. dead on Wanted to no, trend. it's it's it's
0: very cool and um I think it I think it definitely captures what you guys have been talking about. And I'm excited to hear some music. Um we can't I, wait to you, man. I, I'm I'm really excited to see a show. Um yeah. and guys, uh we're at we're at six o'clock, man. Like there's so yeah. there's so much more we could do. We could talk so much more. I would love to have um both of you back on. I'd love to have the other guys from yeah. the band on. Uh, yeah. When we can have people in a room after the album comes out, you know, yeah, Gianni, you can attest that it's 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 I'm a like, lot more fun when you're in the room. Real time. Say it Real one time. more time. Say it one more time, Gianni. So, I was cutting you off.
3: Talking over. No, I was talking over you. I apologize. Now, I was telling these guys, I was like, dude, Nug Nation is going to make you like go to. It made me, like, I walked in and I was like, oh, shit. This is, like, actually, you know, like, I'm really excited about this now after you get to see the behind-the-scenes of what these guys do in the studio and to be, you know, in the studio. And you guys' production is really, I mean, this is great, you know. And But in the studio is really wonderful. I mean, I really think that you guys It's different are when on. you're
0: breathing the same air, too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's top-notch when you're in, in there, when you're yeah. in there doing it.
0: Like, right, right now, we're just acting like a bunch of goddamn... Twitch streamers, but we're old as fuck, so, like, we're gonna, like, <laughs> we're definitely gonna stand out in people's feed of, like, like, hot anime character-looking girls playing they video games yourself, all day man. and making I'm hundreds... A young
2: Twitcher.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm a Twitcher, man. I mean, I'm, Twitcher, what I mean, I'm literally an anime Futurani, if I'm using those terms dude Dude,
0: these, these kids Twitch are making Harani. so much goddamn money to... Like, That's you right. should see it, man. Like, I got... When I when I open it up because they, oh by the way, welcome to our first ever twitch stream. This is the first time we've ever streamed on Twitch, and I got I on do. and I was just going through the feed and I'm like, cool. oh, we're gonna stick out like a sore thumb, man. people don't want to watch us. We're they want like wanna... doing twitches in a like, mall. Oh. what's a twitch it's so like... before
2: before we exit that uh, i I do have a two cents just because you asked about where the line is, I just And this will be really quick. oh I yeah,
0: definitely. go ahead and finish like your point.
2: Focus on more worldly things as opposed to like. I don't know fourth dimensional theological philosophical things when you focus on specific demographics of people that's where a line is crossed as opposed to I like I think there's a huge difference between I hate everyone and I hate this one specific demographic of people because of nonsense
0: well and and also I think that um that manner of ideology that manner of modern political structure Um, I don't think that that is at the same logical level as misanthropic naturalist um, mysticism. You know what I mean? Like you, You guys are talking about more... You guys are talking about...
2: Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to express is we're not on a earthly level. We're on a beyond that level.
0: Right, you guys you guys are touching on things that are more from the unknown and less yeah. from the 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 political and systematic and and structural. Yes. It's more about the ether. It's that higher level of ab- abstraction. Yeah. So I I mean I would never I would never place that on you, but it's something it's just something that I've been thinking about because when it first started going down, I you know, my feeling initially was you know, people should be able to do whatever they want. People should be able to do and say whatever they want. And at the same time, a venue is an independent business and has the right to shut people down and ask them not to play and, of and course, people, have people the right do... have
2: repercussions against them.
0: Right, exactly. You have no you have no gar- like yeah. you have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom from response.
2: Exactly. Yep. Exactly.
0: Now, I don't think that I don't believe in like like that people they should be run out of society. I think they should be integrated into society and forced to come to the fall- the logical conclusion that the and see the fallacy of their ideology. like i think I think that they should be forced to integrate in society. You know, we should try and bring them in and show them the error of their ways. I'm big on teaching people who have gone astray or found something that is that is not serving mankind. You know, I'm a big fan of that. At the same time, you're going to face you're going to face um criticism if you say things. You have to be prepared to be criticized and attacked. And if a independent business thinks that they don't want to get splattered with the shit that comes from that attack, that is their prerogative. And you run that risk if you decide to affix ideology to your art
2: well and even like as as independent because it works like the opposite like you know like a Karen on a bus like spouting go back to your country that's gonna bite her in the ass you know what i mean oh yeah like it, it's um it's we have to be open to criticism, but we also have to call bullshit and evil out when we see it. Right. But we also have to accept that we have bullshit and evil in our hearts. And my God, that doesn't sound great.
0: But, uh, no, uh, nobody nobody you, in humanity is, is separate from it.
2: No, exactly.
0: We all have that ugliness in us by a matter of degree and a matter of um, amplification.
2: Yeah and I, I, I think like stuff like that is what makes the subject so difficult because it's um, because I mean you can apply that same type of logic to people like Messy Noir who are um, who are insanely gross and awful they got some sick guitar riffs but my god they are the worst people ever well
0: Ted Nugent's got some sick guitar riffs too but he's a fucking yeah, total exactly. butthole <laughs> you know what I mean
3: He's a hard one. I get conflicted with him. I'm
0: like, he's so good at guitar, but I'm like, I fucking hate that. Oh, dude, Dude, I love, dude, I love Ted Nugent's music. And here's the fucked up thing: is I've even seen interviews with him, and and have heard third party stories about him, where people like Anthony Bourdain went to his ranch, and on that episode of No Reservations. Now, this is before. Ted Nugent really oh, said kidding. some shit in the press, Anthony but Anthony
2: Bourdain, the patient saint of heroin addicted cooks.
0: <laughs> oh, dude! But Anthony Bord- Anthony Bourdain had Ted Nugent on his show, and in you know he would write basically the narration for the whole episode. And in his narration for the episode, he was like, "Ted's one of those guys that is just so nice and so welcoming and so friendly and and amiable that." You can't help but help find yourself politely nodding along with him while he talks. Sometimes, you know, like he's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of those things. that's like, yeah, he's—he's—he's he's he's totally gross, but he's—he's an, he's an amazing guitar player. And his grossness isn't the yeah. entirety of his personality.
3: Yeah, you totally. Know? And I, there's definitely like some—you know—I don't agree with him with a lot of things, but there's some there's interviews that I've seen with him, and I was like, that's great. But there's other print interviews that I read with him that I really question what the fuck's going on through that guy's head you know with calling he like literally categorizing different guitar players and then categorizing the black guitar players different and using like he would call them negro guitar players as opposed to you know,
0: well in all in all fairness he did come from a different a different yeah, part I mean, of the, yeah, the music industry where it was called like when the Amboy Dukes were going yeah that was just after like when he was going to record stores there was a section called black music
3: like, yeah, and it's crazy to, you know, it's it's hard. I guess that is a hard thing to kind of
0: Reconcile, into. yeah.
3: Yeah, reconcile, you know, and, but yet at the same time, you can't... I can't apologize enough for the incidences where I may have fell ill into those areas and maybe made mistakes, but I can't only... I can only justify mine. You know, I can't justify someone else's, you know, and apologize for my bad character at times, you know. Well, so. I,
0: th- I think there's... I think that we need to hold people accountable for the shit that they say and do, and at the same time, I think it would be useful for us to develop in us culturally a process of destigmatizing ignorance and destigmatizing yep. ugliness. And yeah, it's
3: okay because he's from X, Y, and Z, or it's okay because it came from this time. You know, it's it's hard to right, it,
0: it, and it isn't a justification, but it is it is a window into the um, acceptance well into the massively um, like we're trying to box in human behavior and we can't even fully understand the human genome yet. You know, we've kind of mapped it out and we have this, this idea of it, but we don't like there's a tendency in our culture. And Malcolm Gladwell talked about this. There's a tendency in our culture to make fundamental attribution errors about people and say that because, like, if someone is rude to someone, we say that person is rude. If someone is generous in a handful of specific, if they if they display generous behavior, we say that person is generous. Right. You know, and that becomes the attribution of them, but it doesn't take into account that you can be... You can be mean, kind, rude, generous, um, annoying, uh, opinionated, pushy, um, sweet, lovable. Like you can be all these different things at the same time and at different points and different, you know, from moment to moment throughout your day. And I don't, and I mean, we kind of went off on a tangent here, but like one of the, one of the things that yeah, I. That's
2: a good did, view on that though. I've never thought no, of that it that is, way. Yeah, It is. And going yeah. off of hands is a great thing, you know. It's, it just means that we're delving into, I mean, like the, like some of the questions that are asked were, I mean, complex. I mean, they, they seem to have simple answers, but they also have complex answers as well. And it's worth kind of delving into who we are as people. And I think that's why a lot of people drift to extreme music and, and things that can't be answered so easily is because they want to delve into, like, who are we? Like mystery, existential. Like, how do we as society interact with things like the good, the bad, the ugly? Well,
0: plenty- none of us want to be destroyed, but yet we yeah. are. Many of us are obsessed with the apocalypse. I mean, we we're writing a goddamn comic book about the apocalypse and I'm sorry for predicting it. You know, we didn't mean to, <laughs> but you know, because it, like, I don't want to be wiped out. I don't want to live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You know, I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't want billions oh, of people God, to lose break. their lives. But I am break. very curious as to why those images exist in my brain, and it's because it's it's part of who we are, like the 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 good and the bad, the light and the dark, man. And um, yeah. I think I think what you guys are doing is really cool. Uh, I think the themes you're exploring are really cool. Um, yeah. I think it's truly admirable that you guys are focusing in and drilling down into such a very specific human experience um and it'll be interesting to see how how much it spreads out like how much you dive into it and it gets deeper and and broadens and you're able to like really unpack uh, such a universal human experience like grief like mourning yeah, you know, sure. I think it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. So tell people where they can find you, where they can get your shit, um, what they can look forward to. Do the plug, man.
3: Media guy. Yeah. So we will try to. Oh, there is my phone. Break phone. Um, So we have everything is just going to be our name because it is unique enough that we don't have to really do any other added things to it. So it'll be Necrosophic Abyss. You'll be able to look it up on Facebook. Um, if you have the spelling off this podcast and we have a, a Instagram as well, um, we will eventually when we do get some tangible music to put out, we'll put a we'll probably get a band camp together and you know give our music out that way or we'll share it in all the common ways of streaming and you know actually probably eventually making um, past a digital platform we'll get into some type of um, true uh, true uh, print of the album maybe I would imagine that we would, if I could dream it up, it would be that we would do um, we would do digital, and then we'd also do like maybe a small EP, like a forty-five or something that if it fits on there. We're doing four songs. It gets eighteen minutes. I don't know how many minutes it has to be to be on a, a small small little guy. But we'll, can you know, I just
0: say that um, cassette maybe? I, can I just say that I just can't think of anything more abysmal. Than having nothing. Yeah, we have nothing to (laughs) share. Where can you find us? Nowhere. What do you guys have out right now? Nothing.
2: Yeah,
3: we really did want to. So the goal.
2: We got you the most brutal, mindless gift of all. (laughs) Nothing.
3: We we definitely wanted to because we're all older and we've all been in bands and we didn't want to like it's you know it's terrible. Twenty eight. Terrible. I know. Yeah, he's the baby. He's the youngest one in the band. I'm the second youngest at thirty five. So. Um, you know we've all been bands where we put stuff out too early, and we're like, we're not gonna do that, you know there's no reason to do that, you know people will don't care you know until we put it out. so um we've been waiting to put something out that's actually gonna be something that people will you know will be will hopefully if they do get their hands on it, we'll like it because it's good quality. so we've well, had a few they, different times we're,
1: where we were, were gonna, gonna put like some, it, you yeah, know? We're, yeah, we were gonna we're, put some
3: stuff we're out we're gonna that gonna we're like, like we're not gonna share stuff that's like our
1: demos, you know, and it's just, you guys should you guys should put out the sheet music first, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> And then like and then like and then maybe like have some bands like try and do it and then you'd be yeah. like oh and then you could just critique it and be like mm, like mm.
2: that oh
1: that's a that's a failure right there and then you when you drop your album it will be like holy
2: fuck oh, right oh, like free at last like they put out all the thing it's like hey cover the song that you've never heard before and they made a compilation for the music video and then the music video was a lesson of them teaching you how to play the actual song that they intended to go well oh, and like- then
0: and then the night you guys are supposed to premiere the music as it was written as it was intended to be played uh Josh you just have to murder Gianni
2: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> One murder <laughs> to keep the band
0: dude players. did you hear the singer murdered one of the guitar players right before their first show the rest <laughs> of our albums
2: I'll be in like a really classy prison just like it's gonna be like all done through Patreon everyone's <laughs> gonna give me like a fleshed out knife prison cell nice little like SMB 57 you know we're gonna soundproof it's gonna be it's gonna be it's, it, uh, uh,
0: it's gonna be dope and on that note on that note be sure to get on to Patreon and uh, support any artist that you're really into. Uh, Necrosophic yeah. Abyss uh, post-murder prison album. Uh, we'll be on there at some point. Uh, thanks so much to our patrons who make the podcast possible. You guys make the goddamn world go around. Uh, if you guys are interested in helping us make cool shit, the podcast, albums, um, everything else that is made possible uh, by our patrons, you can become a patron today at patreon.com slash Thanks to Evergroove Studio. Oh, man, they're the coolest. Speaking of... Uh, some of the recording stuff we were talking about earlier in the show, like we're able to record at home, save, send I- AIFF files up to Evergroove Studio, and, and piece it all together for our new album that we're working on. Like, Brad is really doing everything that he can to help musicians out. It's truly amazing. Check out Evergroup Studio, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, me and Ty are actually getting together to go have a little jam out at Rocket nice. Space coming up here soon. I'm super excited fix? about that, man uh burn tv studios uh home of the nug nation the motherfucking podcast and a bunch of other great content uh stay tuned for what burn tv's got coming up man really 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 cool shit i got to see some of the uh dailies for uh the new thing we've been doing with um hempire uh part uh the hemp and history series that we've been building for them and it's like it's the greatest thing that the Nug Nation has ever done It's really really incredible So stay tuned for that um, Flipside music uh, On South Tacoma Street here in Denver Life is short make some noise I'm going to be going down there to Take a look at some guitar pedals and stuff For when we really get going And uh, I'm sure maybe a guitar or two Will catch my eye uh, yeah, be... Really excited about that um, Let's see Oh Matula Plumbing Matula, Matula. Matula. Uh, shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and <laughs> butter. Angie's List Service, Secret Service Super Server Award winner. Back in 2011, one once the only one that matters. After that, it got all fucking bullshitty. If you need your shits piped out, call the master of poopers himself. He'll wear the booties for you Jerry Matula. And... Last and certainly not least, Mutiny Information Cafe, uh, the the motherfucking podcast, and a bunch of other great content are uh, part of Mutiny Transmissions, which is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe. Mutiny is everything. To call them a coffee shop would not do them justice. To call them a record store would not do them justice. To call them a live music venue would not do them justice. They are fucking everything. Books, comics, records, music live music, podcasts. Um, Tarani Syrups. Tyron- no one has a larger selection of Tarani Syrups. No one. No one. Not one person. You know what else yeah. they got? They got my
3: vending machine out there now.
0: What's your vending machine? Oh,
3: yeah, dude. I, I, I got saw, a vending yeah.
0: machine at Mutiny now. You have a vending machine at Mutiny? Yep. What, are, was... you, what are you vending? Oh, your earplugs no, and candy. business cards. Candy. Candy? Yeah.
2: What
0: kind
3: of
0: what kind of candy?
3: Like good candy, like Airheads and like kind of Mike and Ike. There's toys in there.
0: Tight. I'm send you.
1: I saw the pictures on Instagram. It looks real super. Yeah.
0: That is bitching.
3: I like put out a filler for it, and Jim was the first person to respond to me. And I was like, "That's actually where I wanted it to be." It was like, I was like, "This would be perfect, like at a place like Mutiny."
0: Dude, he's into that shit.
3: And he responds like two seconds. He's like, "That would look cool at Mutiny." I'm like, "Done deal, dude. That's exactly where it should be." So, I'll send you a G- Jim and Jim
0: and I back in the Rockaway days wanted to turn a cigarette machine into an automat and um, start That's like like making format. little like having local artists and musicians make little cigarette pack. Um, packages but uh, do you know how hard it is to get a cigarette machine repaired
3: I can only imagine dude those were only around for so long and then you know they were I mean there's like like
0: one guy in Denver that does them (laughs) and he's a total nut job
3: yeah like we couldn't
0: pin him down it's kind of like having that like one guy in town who works on amps that's that's also a total kook
3: there's a, <laughs> there's a few of those actually no, let's shout them out because there's some good ones
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah City is one of my favorites if you guys are looking for a good one Gordo Electric City and then there's of course oh,
0: Robot's, the, place? Yeah, okay. Robot's, Robots Place is Electric City Robots Place
3: he did a really good job actually he's got a tech out there but he did a really good job in a, like my amp that I have now and I haven't had to have the tubes replaced or, and it was biased so well it's lasted longer than anyone have had service it. so I would definitely like if you want to shout out homies I'm going to shout out Electric City because they are really good at um,
0: doing camper pairs. Shout out to Electric City. And hey, shout out to Necrosophic Abyss and their forthcoming album. What's the album called, guys? False
2: Fur. Yeah. Yeah. 2020.
0: Yeah. Apocalypse yeah. pending. Well, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with me and Gordo. Gordo, I am just so happy to see your face. I'm always so happy to see your face, man.
1: Likewise.
0: Yeah, I look forward I'm to it every week. I see all your faces. Hey, um when uh when you feel comfortable jamming, maybe we should jam. Get a jam on. I would love jam- to get a jam on. Gianni, jam I would love in. to get a jam on if you're Whenever into jamming.
3: You want, some, uh, you want to work on some DO stuff cuz I know you can handle that.
0: Yeah, I'll do some. You <laughs> might have to transpose it, but I'm into doing some DO stuff.
3: Yeah, the any of that kind of classic rock and metal stuff. If you ever need someone to play guitar, don't threaten me with a good time because I will. Oh, better. dude,
0: I'm into it. I'm just, I'm just down to, dude. I've been jamming with my 70 year old fucking hippie neighbor, man. Like he's been playing yeah. cajon, and I've been playing acoustic guitar for all the kids. That's perfect. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stream perfect. some tomorrow. I've been kind of silent on, on social media, but I'm gonna stream some of it tomorrow. So keep an eye I out will, for that.
2: You know what's what up,
3: I was a fan of seeing those videos and those darkened beginnings of the pestilence, dude. I was like, these are yeah.
0: beautiful.
3: I mean they were. They were really great arrangements and you did a really good job and it was they were sincere.
0: And I the I I had to stop for and, and I've mentioned this before on the show. I just had to stop because I, I can't I can't do social media, man, right now.
2: Yeah. I, I can't
0: you. I can't put Pretty songs and pictures of my kid in between videos of cops assaulting people and people assaulting cops and cops yelling shit and people yelling shit about cops and people yelling at each other about and people doxing each other and. Videos of people saying racist shit and then people getting beat up and then Donald yeah. Trump says something stupid and then Just the comments of people frothing in the mouth at the mouth and just like I like it's like I don't know I don't know which is worse <laughs> honestly at this point and it's I just can't I just can't do it man and I and I find it to be deranged and deranging and <laughs> on that note, thanks to all of you who've been watching this on Facebook and Twitch and YouTube and all like uh, you fuck social media. I mean, I can't, I can't. I, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to get out of it entirely, but I just, I'm not looking at a feed, and I'm not. It, and then not only that, once I stopped doing it, and I've told this to Gordo, once I stopped doing it, I started focusing on practicing the instrument more and yeah. lost a lot, lost a lot less time to set up and started putting that setup time into scales and learning theory and It's like and you play. said,
3: dude, it's like a little hit of dopamine and they keep giving you smaller and smaller and smaller little pieces of dopamine.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, really they do, really, you know, you get less and, and less. It's it's, it's like I started finding myself, and I've, I've had it happen on the podcast before too, where I can observe myself either censoring myself or at worst speaking untruths. No, I mean, not like outright lies or anything like that, but, but oversimplifying very complicated ideas. You know just to try and and profess my alignment with the right group yeah you know and I think we all do it and I want to see the big problems in the world I want to see the needle moved and I don't think I'm helping to move the needle by by being a, a, a part of that machine in its current iteration. I'm not going to go off social media for life. I'm sure something else will emerge and be yeah. somewhat less of a nightmare, but I I just can't do it for now. Okay. Just for now. But I had a lot of fun making those videos, man. And um and I did,
3: really did like a lot of those I really good.
0: I'm, I'm and I'm going to do some more stuff and 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 figure out a way to do it. Maybe I'll do some streams or something like that. And, I mean, I am still playing. For anyone who's been wondering, I am still playing every single day. I just, um, I just had I, I had to scale down on producing content because I'm feeling ethically conflicted.
3: Well, you know, that's how I am. I, you know, I put those similar type of guitar videos. I don't sing though, you know, but I put the guitar videos out where I'm playing guitar. And I agree. You know, you put a lot of effort to it. And, you know, there's like, going to be a staple of people that see it. But, you know, it's not exactly what it is that I want. You know, it's like it's not like going and playing a performance. It's like I'm putting it on social media for people to just scroll past it and be like, whatever, or just blindly like it and not even listen to it. You know, so it's it's it's, it's a it's a weird thing to do. Well, but, and it's know.
0: an addiction to praise. Yeah. It's an addiction sure. to dopamine and strokes. And it's like yeah, I started thinking about, you know, what do I really want? And what I really want is to like make yeah, music with my friends and connect with people. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's like that's more fun than sitting there checking your phone every 5 seconds and being like did anyone else like it
0: <laughs> you know yeah like, i mean dude i'm i'm one by one systematically taking things off my phone and i'm noticing more time open up in my day and i'm noticing more connection and more presence open up in my day and um yeah man i mean especially with like with a little boy at home you know i'm concerned about him growing up in a world like i'm i'm concerned about him getting to a certain age and wanting to be in that space and seeing how damaging it can be yeah you know i I, i'm and that's a whole nother can of worms that would be a whole nother podcast so next time you guys come on
2: yeah we'll come back we'll we'll have a nice little bitch fest it'll be great I'm I'm stoked to be back. This has been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure meeting and getting to know you, Josh. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Guests today, Josh and Gianni from Necrosophic Abyss. Really looking forward to seeing you guys on the other side of the pestilence. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the International Power Rock Combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbons and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shout-outs and featured artists is written and performed by M.F. Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support M.F. Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, Follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash ruckus, Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission.
2: You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics,
1: and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com
0: or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime.